Hey everybody, my name is Brian, that is Shane, and you are watching the podcast Unleashed. And yes, it is now, uh, it's 12.30, so no, we are not doing the Cosmic Unleashed every week. So if you Hell were, no, that if was you, hard. If you were waiting for that, that's there's no way that's happening. That's <laughs> way too much work. We were so stupid to do that. You guys have no idea. We didn't sleep for like 20 some odd hours. Yeah, that was uh, that was a rough one. Um, but but to be fair, uh, sometimes doing something new is fun, and you know there was some fun quality to it. Oh but, yeah, no. But it was definitely very difficult. Uh, the next morning, I was wiped out because like I still had to go to work. <laughs> I know, right? We still had to keep going, dude. It was crazy. Um. Anyway, so we are talking about a variety of things today. Let me let me break it down for you. Um, we are talking about Terry Metalis. So Terry Metalis himself, the showrunner of Star Trek: Picard season three, actually break, breaks down the season three trailer, and we got that story. Um, there's a little Last of Us episode three controversy that we need to talk about. James Gunn responds to Zachary Levy's big anti-pharma tweets, and this is someone said in the chat earlier, and I saw. I think it was Archmage, but he said uh, this is the lamest DC controversy ever and i i agree with you this is the stupidest thing ever but we have to talk about it because it's so stupid sometimes when something is so <laughs> stupid it has to be brought into the sunlight why because sunlight is a disinfectant man and you have to drag all these knuckle dragging weirdos with bad ideas you gotta drag them out into the sunlight so the sunlight can beat down on them and show them for what they are idiots <laughs> well, and that's our opinion on that topic. Thank you. And uh, we're going to be talking about Chat GPT in the future of AI. We're actually going to we're actually going to start the show off with that. And yeah, it's, it's everywhere. It's ridiculous. And the James Gunn uh, overall announcement in the members section. Strange New World has some new cast members. We're going to be breaking that down. And James Gunn supporting Ezra Miller, and of course the Quantum Leap season one episode eleven review. All that and more on today's <laughs> podcast unleashed. All that and more. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. It was a really weird week. It was um, we have a lot of stuff going on, guys. So if you're not aware, we're like Picard season three has become like this uh this thing that we're we're orbiting like a planet right now because the the next 10 weeks, I mean, you gotta remember it launches in 14 days, right? right. Literally two weeks from today. Picard season three launches. Okay. So, uh, we just got the, um, uh, we just got the streamers. So, uh, you know, a lot of other media outlets are, have told you they've seen the first six episodes. Well, we've already seen the whole show, but right. we did also just get the, the, the first six again, right. which means we get to enjoy Thank God. And I gotta tell you, I, I don't even know if I could wait the two weeks to watch Picard season three again. Yeah. So now we get to watch the first six episodes and of course we'll be using those to, to do our videos. So, yeah, so it's been busy. Um, also, we've got interviews coming up with Todd Stashwick, the new captain of the Titan, uh, which we can't share who he is yet or what he'll be doing. But that's something we've got coming. We're going to be doing like a we're going to be visiting him and doing like a whole video at like at his house and stuff. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. Can I, can I break in real quick? Yeah, I'm so glad that he reminded us that we can't say what he does and any of the details in the show, because in my mind. When I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, now everyone knows. No, That's what I did. Everyone That's doesn't know anything. 
And I was about to go on here today and be like, oh, okay, so <laughs> breaking down this new captain. No, no, we, we can't say anything about him yet. All we know is that he's a captain in the show. That's all the trailer is, shows you. So that's all we can say. Yeah, thank, whatever the trailer you, shows you is it. So we, so we were going to do, we actually had planned to do this big video, Meet the Captain of the Titan. And we started thinking about it. And, we're, and that was supposed to come out like the Sunday before mm -hmm. the show. And then we realized, oh, wait a sec. The show hasn't aired yet. We can't literally say anything yet. Right. So now it's going to come after the first episode of the show. So anyways, we've got the premiere next Thursday. So we're like really tight. The next two weeks are going to be like crazy Picard, Picard, Picard stuff. So we got plenty of other things to talk about. But just note that um, that we'll be probably talking about a lot of that stuff, too. How long was my mic off? Jeez. We lost Brian. <laughs> I know my mic was off. All right. Um, yeah. So let's uh, let's kick off the show. First off, hello everyone. Thank you for being here. Um, I'm going to check the member section to make sure I don't lose anybody. But if you're in the member section and you're watching us there and you're you're chatting there, please do me a solid and come over to the Unleashed uh, stream for the first half because I don't want to miss what you're saying. So. Right, and it's yeah. hard to monitor two different places. There's a is there there's a privilege being members, but definitely if you want to chat with us, let's do it over here. Otherwise, if you have comments when we get to the member section, we can always answer them then as well. So yeah, just yeah, yeah, we we tell, we address everyone's comments in the member section too. But if you want if you want to address them quickly, come on over to the member, come on over to the stream. All right, and um, we really appreciate you guys being here today. We just want to say we love you. We thank you for taking time out of your Thursday to hang out with us. It means so much. You guys have no idea. So thank you really so much. I second that. I second that, sir. Good, sir. All right, so um, let's talk about this chat GPT thing. Um, an interesting thing occurred. I, I've been playing around with chat GPT since before it was a actual like website you can visit and work with, right? Um, yeah, when it was a when it was a GitHub um, string of code, I had installed it on my Python server. So the thing is, it utilizes like, and I don't want to get too nerdy here, but bottom line is, it utilizes like an actual AI and deep learning sort of uh, code to. Can we go ahead before you do all that? Can we just? A lot of people may not know what it is. So we do because we're we're engaged with it okay. a lot right now. Yeah. But you may not know. So if you guys aren't aware, just recently, I guess it officially uh, actually took off a couple of weeks ago, right? Right. It was like officially unleashed. Essentially, what it is, it's called Chat GPT. You can go and uh, and basically what Brian was going to explain. You can you can add a bunch of parameters and it will write you things. It'll write you like a whole story. And so what we've noticed recently, especially in the last week, every like subreddit we go to, every Twitter, YouTube, all over the places, people are creating these chat GPT stories about whatever interesting topic and it's coming out and the, and the damn thing sounds like somebody, somebody actually wrote it. This thing is going to change the world. I mean, you, you may not realize it right now, but look, we're going to look back in three to five years and the way content is created and the way things happen is going to be so much more AI generated. It's kind of scary. So we want to talk about it. Go ahead, Brian. So on that same note though, we also talked about, so that's what he just said, talked about was chat GPT using AI to learn from every question, every interface it has with humans to then have, a, and to then give you a better answer every time you ask it a question. Um, and then there's the, 
there's the art version of it. Like there's Mid Journey and there's Dolly and there's other services out there that will allow you to generate art based on parameters. Like um, Picard Season Three, uh, Doomcock, um, right? Ultra realistic right. in space. And you give it basically parameters, and then some more geeky parameters like you know dash dash ar three over two and some things to give it more context code wise <clears throat> and you hit the button and you sit there and wait and it will sit and sit there and it will generate you multiple options based on those parameters and you pick one of those options and whatever option is closest to what you want you then re-parameter and it'll give you four more options based on your first option and then continually and, and so on until you get the perfect image or what you assume is the perfect image for the parameters you typed in Listen, ultra cool, um, really cool, but also yeah. a little scary because, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, listen, I'm I'm a designer, an artist. Shane's a writer. <laughs> there's a there's yeah, a, what is, are we out of a job? There's an AI that can write, and there's an AI that can design. Uh oh. <laughs> the, I, the AI doesn't have a soul yet, luckily. So, I mean, thank God there's still that. But, you know, lately it seems like we're constantly seeing like images of like robots doing crazy things. If you notice on Twitter, it's like all this AI shit is just constantly coming up. There was like an army of dog robots doing push-ups or whatever the hell it was. And if that didn't look intimidating, I don't even know what to tell you. And then there's another video of like this robot, like with a gun and a guy standing in front of it. And they're like going through like shooting targets and doing all kinds of crazy stuff with this crazy robot. Yeah. I'm like, what, what's going on? Yeah, bro, bro. When you see like an army of dog robots doing pushups, we got a problem. <laughs> we got a problem, right? We, we've made some mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, no, no and, and, and there's also, I found out yesterday, there's a Twitch channel. Where there's a 24-hour stream of, like, a Seinfeld parody. And it's sort of low quality. And mm. it's obviously very robotic. But it's it's learning every day. And basically, they have, um, a, you know, AI art generators and AI text generators and AI speech. And they're using all these in, in one to create, like, these pseudo-Seinfeld episodes with Elaine, Jerry, and Kramer and, and whatever. Really? So and is it like just is it like somebody talking? Is it a voice? What is it? So it's a robotic voice for the characters, like okay. you know the typical "Hi, oh, please press seven. What um, do you see on the on the screen? It's like these really low res, like, um, three D art characters. Oh, okay. So it's not the actual characters from the show. No, no. But here's the deal: you go back a month ago, and it was horrible. Now oh. it's a, it's better, and it's getting better. Only a month. Only a month? In only a month. It's gone from like total like nightmare fuel to like I can see a plot like actually forming here. Completely autonomously. Let me tell you what's scary about this. So when they first started with chess and they had they taught the computer how to play chess, it wasn't very good. No. And over time it learned by playing other people and getting better and better and better. Now nobody can beat a, beat the computer in chess. <laughs> There's nobody on the planet who can beat the computer in chess. What's going to happen when it comes to writing or art? Like nobody's going to be able to write better or create better art than the computer soon. Right. If you follow that logic. I mean, yeah. So the art is not great. 
Um, like some of it's awesome after someone dialed in the param after a human dialed in the parameters over a period of seven to ten, sometimes weeks of effort to make make something look great. At this point, it's still a tool for sure. Um, every once in a while, though, you get lucky. Like you type in a parameter, and the first image is like pretty good. Like I think that's good enough, and it took like five minutes. Most of the time, though, because I've played with it a lot, like a lot. I've been playing with it. I've been playing with it for longer than it was public. Mm. I was invited to the Mid Journey experiment before anyone knew what Mid Journey was. I was invited to the Open Eye experiment because I begged for the <laughs> Chat GPT when I saw it on it. Actually, so Open Eye actually started on a Dota Two thing. I'm a massive Dota Dota Two fan, and they started uh, during the during one of the big international tournaments. They, they literally said, we're going to create a bot that can beat pro players. And they had this yeah. bot playing against pro players for months. And it learned. And at first it was horrible. And then it was like just top tier, totally godlike, completely unkillable. <clears throat> and um, when I learned about that, I'm like, I, I want to know more, more about this right now. So I, I got into the pro, I got on in all the programs. Like I want I'm I'm some a person who needs to know the next thing. I do believe this is the next thing. And I'm not sure if it's good or bad for all of us normies out here. But it's certainly gonna be an interesting time. And I gotta tell you, um, first big company to a company to really invest in AI, it should probably be something you invest in. Just oh, and I was gonna say, uh, Elon Musk is behind this Chat GPT. Well, OpenAI so, or OpenAI. Well, okay, so he's behind it. So just keep shoving money into Tesla until you <laughs> invest it into something else. He does. Eventually, Starlink's gonna become public. Then shove your money in that, and then and then uh, uh, what's the rocket one where he's launching? What's that? Oh, uh, SpaceX. SpaceX. Oh yeah. And SpaceX. So as soon as all those start opening up to the public, just shove your money in there because in 50 years, I'm pretty sure Elon Musk is going to own the planet. So you might as well put your money in there. All right. Um, all right. So enough about ChatGPT. We we were we wanted to get that out of the way because um, uh, we were like talking about it right before the show. And we we're like, you know what? Let's just let's just talk about this on the show because it's yeah. We were already having a big old great conversation about it. Yeah, we, we looked at the clock. And we're like, oh, snaps. <laughs> Time to start the show. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So uh, there is a second thing I'd like to move on to real quick. I know you have a whole agenda for us planned, but I got sure. one thing I want to sneak in. Um, if you can pull up the Honest Pop Culture website. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, I think we put this out last week. Um, you know, um, we are expanding. And we've uh, started a media site called honestpopculture.com. And uh, as you can see, uh, a lot of the articles we're going to be talking about today are here. And um, we're going to be doing more. Um, what we're looking for right now are people who are interested in breaking into writing, breaking into the journalism field that want to start doing some interning. So if you're interested in trying to get your byline out there, getting some published work, uh, we are looking for a few really good people to do articles and to start doing some new stuff. And we got some really great interviews and stuff that we can get lined up for you. Uh, send us an email over at depopcast, D-A-P-O-P-C-A-S-T, uh, at gmail.com. And let us know you're interested. And um, we're going to bring in, I don't know, probably three to five people. So 
hit us up. Yeah. Um, just to be clear, that email address was because uh, we couldn't get the podcast and we didn't know. Brian was like, whatever. We didn't know we'd ever have to share it with anyone. So we were just like, just get the podcast. And we got DA podcast. <laughs> and then now, like three years later, when we're like having to give it out to people, I feel really stupid because it sounds so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know it's, you know, but it's like, it is what it is. So until we can figure out how to get the popcast from somewhere, I think, I think those Jamie Knox people probably stole it already. Well, I mean, for the Gmail, maybe we, 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 we got them on the, on the YouTube channel for sure. Um, yeah, let me, let me put it on screen so that, um, people... you know, we could have our own email. I mean, we, we did have like, info it's not at, for Gmail at, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's just a lot of work. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you guys. That's always the problem. Yeah, so if you're interested, send us a thing over there. We're going to be expanding into lots of stuff. So if you if you want to be a part of the the uh, the podcast, Shane and Brian journey, just let us know there. And and um, yeah, so. There's the email address right there on screen. The podcast. <laughs> it sounds so illiterate. Um. Yeah, and you know, and and if you ever want to go there to like look at the stories we talk about today, like I literally put all the tweets that we're covering for the weekly Terry into one article, so like you can go like verify we're not just like giving you nonsense. Like Terry said, <laughs> it's all there if you want to look at it. All right, all legit. Screen rat, watch out, watch out. Yeah, we're coming for you, screen rat. <laughs> we're we're coming hard. They're they're not worried about us. <laughs> right now. We're we're coming. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like who the fuck are you <laughs> what who are you guys never even heard of you <laughs> all right man let's uh let's do the breakdown first um ready yeah okay we are talking about the latest star trek picard season three trailer i would say the final star trek picard season three trailer um, we know that there is no more trailers after this. This is the last one. And uh, we got a actual breakdown from the actual showrunner, Terry Metalis. And I was going to use this in our weekly Terry this week. And then I was like, you know what? This sort of deserves its own thing. And uh, it came from TrekMovie.com. Um, so let's break it. Let's break it down now. It's pretty good. Pretty good stuff. So why aren't we doing this in the weekly Terry? I'm just curious. Because there was a bunch of other stuff in the weekly Terry to talk about. Because we got so much stuff to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Because there's so much Terry this week. There's so much <laughs> weekly Terry. So much. Okay. All right. This is what it says. The latest trailer for the final season of Star Trek Picard was released on Sunday, revealing a multitude of events and plot points. While we have already reported on some immediate responses from the Picard team, there is still a lot to delve into detail in the past. Blah, 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 blah. All right, this is what Terry Metallis says. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Um, so the first scene, this is, uh, he says about the Boatswain, you know, the Boatswain. How do you say it? Boatswain? Boatswain. About the Boatswain looks like Wayne, whistle. Yeah. He says, I very much prefer Starfleet to feel like the Navy. And certainly the original series and a lot of what Star Trek II and Six director Nick Meyer did feels like that most and the trailer as as does the first episode starts with an air of pomp and circumstance so it's just getting a feel 
of what I think Starfleet should feel like. It's the military. It's serious. There are protocols. And that sort of per- and that sort of per- uh, permeates throughout the season. Dude, I love this so much. That is so important. <clears throat> it, if you go back to TOS, like, it is the Navy. Like, th- th- this is what spaceships are. I mean, you think about it. You're like in a submarine. Right. Right. And, and so and it's got the military structure. I've always thought of it that way. And um, as it being in the Navy. And of course, I was in the Navy. So a lot of things like boatswains, whistles and stuff. It's, it's great. It's, it's a part of Star Trek lore. And, and I absolutely love that he's embraced it. Yeah. And that's that's a big problem we had with Discovery. So let's let's cut the acting out. Let's cut the bad storylines out. Let's cut let's cut the complete disregard for 70 years of canon out. Let's look at just the most basic aspects of Starfleet. That was the most offensive thing to me right away was that they didn't, they weren't military. They didn't act like military. They didn't act, there there wasn't a clear command structure. Michael Berman, Berman, whatever her name is, constantly, constantly disobeyed the command structure. Constantly committed like multiple (laughs) offenses of treason. Every season, and no one ever held her to it. Oh no, she was right. And, and at what point is she? Is she just allowed to be treasonous constantly? And she's still, and then, and then she fails upwards until she's the captain of the ship that she initially treasoned against. Jesus. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the part of it. And also, even in, in if you look at the new Strange New World show. It's a very laxed chain of command structure. Right. You know, the captain and the helmsman are buddies. Um, You know, the captains, which is fine. I mean, cooking meals every night and kind of, it's very relaxed. And, And if you go back to TOS or you go back to TNG, the things that you remember is the cat, what the captain said goes, you know, if Kirk or Picard, you know, made a decision, then that's where everybody went. And it does feel a little more loosey goosey. Getting back here to uh, uh, to Picard season three, you're getting more back to that feel of uh, of how command is supposed to work. Um, but yet, you are still going to see some interesting things that that break down the command structure. So I love what Terry's saying, but at the same time, there's there are some people not always listening to instructions. That's and not always doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's accurate. So it is in the Star Trek. I mean, because that is part of Star Trek. Even but it makes Kirk. sense, though. The things that don't that the things you're referring to make complete yeah. sense considering the history. Right, but ultimately they're following rules until rules perhaps maybe shouldn't be followed. Right. You know, so if if Kirk is stealing, you know, a, a vessel to go back in time to Earth. <laughs> And he's not supposed to be doing so. But the things happening in Picard season three are happening for a reason that we realize is the right call. Spoiler alert. Kirk stole a Klingon uh, bird of prey to go back in time. That's right. In case you you forgot. Uh, Super chat from Mixed Iron Man. Thank you, Mike. Listening in from remote client location in Hilton Head. Great seeing you for lunch. And thank you both for all you do for us Trek fans. Dude. Uh, I had lunch with Mexican Iron Man, and it was awesome. Uh, we are, you are truly our uh, other brother from a uh, Mexican mother, my friend. You are, you are right there with us. We, we think the same. We have the same um, um, uh, humor. 
And uh, I hope that we can do some stuff together because that was a great lunch. And I enjoyed my my tenderloin tacos. Not gonna lie. <laughs> he's at, he's at a remote location in Hilton Head. That's great golfing country out there. I wonder if he's golfing. All right, moving on with this. Uh, they asked, is this the same whistle scene in Star Trek uh, Five? Mm-hmm. And he said, I felt like those whistles are usually traditional and passed down from ship to ship. So we thought that might be the case here. And I suppose it could be the same one or just an older hundred years old, hundred year old model. Um, is it passed no. down from ship to ship? No, hmm. no, there's nothing traditional necessarily. There's nothing sacred traditional about the boatswain's whistle. In fact, what's cool is when you're a boatswain's mate in the Navy, every boatswain learns to pipe a whistle. Oh. Um, it's used for, you know, coming aboard. It's used for a lot of actually, actually different things. So it's not ceremoniously traditional. I mean, maybe in Star Trek, they've made it that way, but I can't think of anything in the lore that suggests that that's specific, but. Okay. Um, next shot is of seven of nine and, you know, they asked, uh, so seven, nine is now a commander. And then the first and the first officer of the USS Titan, the main ship for that season, we see her greeting Picard and Riker and presenting them mm-hmm. to the bridge crew. It's a bit awkward moment. Terry gives a here's a Terry's brief glimpse into what's going on here. It is very much a conflict for her as to how fast she was inducted into Starfleet and whether or not she truly feels as though she belongs and her captain feels as though she belongs. Interesting. That's a, he actually gave away quite a bit of info there. Terry kind of gives some good stuff away sometimes. Um, yeah, there, we're really going to go into, we're going to really understand Seven's character a little more. Picard season two just totally didn't do her any justice. Picard season two was was absent Seven of Nine. She was there, but she really wasn't there. Right. Uh, this season, you're going to get some real fleshing out of of, of Seven of Nine. And it's going to make you feel really good about the character, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's great. So they go on, go on to ask, the captain of the USS Titan is played by Todd, Todd Stashwick. With all the prior speculation that he had tapped his member of the... I don't know how, why it's written so poorly. Metallus joked <laughs> it was the worst kept secret in Star Trek, but he also predicted, I think he's going to be the fan favorite. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be a fan favorite. I think so. I mean, he he in a, in a way he kind of steals the show. Um, is he is he the fan favorite? I mean, you're gonna love your original characters the most. Yeah, you know. I mean, he's great, but he you know what it is about Todd is he adds a flavor to the show that's different and unique from anything you really ever see in Star Trek. Right. And and that's I think what's cool about it is you're getting a personality that I don't think we've ever seen before. And, yeah, uh, and it's so authentic. It's really good. Right. It's like honest and uh, believable. So, and you know, you, you end up, I think you start out kind of not liking him and then you end up really loving him as you go on. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it really is outstanding. Um, So they asked about uh, <laughs> the scene where he's talking about like, we're not going to be blowing things up or a crash landing or. Oh yeah. Um. That was so good. And it's so perfect. Like, I'm so glad that was in the trailer and no spoilers here, but it's perfect for this character to say that. Well, and what's cool is in the trailer, they didn't ruin it. So they very easily, I, I hate it when trailers ruin it because you don't really know the tone of that character from that speech. 
Like you don't get what he means by those words he's saying. Right. And we're not going to tell you because it'll ruin it. But when you watch it, there's a special tone that's being delivered that you don't see in the trailer. Yeah. That's going to make a lot, have a lot to do with how important the scene is. Yeah. And at first you feel like it's like, it's just comedy, but it's actually super deep and heartwarming. It's fantastic. Um, this is what Terry said. Again, hearkening back to what I said earlier about being about this being the military and how legacy characters like Picard and Riker tend to be able to throw their weight around within this organization and get special treatment doesn't always sit well with everyone within the military. Yeah. I guess that's pretty accurate. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I mean, military is a lot different now than it used to be. Things are changing. Right. All right. Military right now is sort of... People are have more opinions. It used to be in the military, you just did what you were told and you shut up and that was kind of it. Nowadays, it seems like everybody gets to have an opinion, which is different, but yeah. Um, no, I'm going to say what you're not saying right now. It's worse. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Every soldier, every 19 year old that just joined TikTok, I mean, just joined the military, having a TikTok page is stupid. They should not be allowed to be in their barracks, in uniform, in their BDUs, making TikToks about hooking up with a barracks bunny. That is that is so uncouth. It's so embarrassing for the military. Stop doing that. How is that yeah. allowed? Why is that allowed? Why are they allowed to have a... Sorry, you, you join the military. You lose your voice while you're on the clock. You want your voice off the clock? Cool. Don't do it in uniform. We used to have a rule. You can't just go out into the world in your BDUs and 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 fr- you know front your military service as a way to get attention. You weren't allowed to do that. You literally were not allowed to wear your BDUs to events. You can wear them going home or going to work, but wearing them around town was actually against the rules. When, right. Why are we allowed to make TikTok dances in? you know, in cut off military BDUs in the barracks. Well, see, they're still, they're still on base. That's why they're doing it. But the the reality is, is when I was still in the military, right at the end of my service, of course we had MySpace. So when I was, when I was leaving the military, it was MySpace. And, um, and there was a whole problem with, uh, with, you know, what, how much from your military can you have in social media? And I think that's still something they're trying to tackle. It's really hard to get your arms wrapped around, because you, you, you basically you represent yourself when you're in military, you're representing the military. When you're in your uniform, you're representing the branch of the military you're in and everything that you do. And it's a reflection. So you can actually be held accountable for that under the uniform, uniform code of military justice. So yeah, I'm, maybe there's some things happening behind the scenes when you see those TikToks and they may not be there for very long. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, BDUs are battle dress uniforms. So like when you see like the... Um, Cam- camouflage the camouflage or like the digital the digi digital prints, right yeah so i i have a a closet full of or a giant bag actually now full of bdus um because the more you had the less laundry you had to do every week so i tended to just buy new bdus every time i got a, every time i got a paycheck i would just be at the mm. px this is like the military store just buying bdus because i didn't want to do, <laughs> do laundry <laughs> i don't blame you uh let's see we got a super chat from hiroshi the dog thank you for the five dollar euro 
It just came to my mind that Seven spent her whole life on starships since she was a baby. Really good point. Yeah, she really did. I mean, she is a child. She was taken by the Borg and she was basically incubated, I guess, as a small child and then all the way to a woman. And she's still out there doing it from yep. the Fenris Rangers to now a member of Starfleet. So she's a, yeah, and she's, in, she's been out for a long time. In a way, that's actually sort of addressed. Interesting. Interesting enough in this season, sort of. Yes, thank you, Matt Vader. Smash the thumbs up button, my friends. Um, and I would, yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see. No matter what happens after this series is over, no matter what we do next, I am pretty sure Jerry Ryan and Seven of Nine will not be going anywhere. Oh yeah, so that's that's so quickly. Let's break in here quickly to say something about that. There are rumors floating around that. You know, she might get, uh, she might do a the Janeway show with Janeway. And we talked about that before. Mm. And of course, we're going to want to see her come back after this, uh, you know, for another series with Terry Metalis, perhaps. Bottom line is the reason all these rumors are being floated around is because she is so good in this season. Everyone is outstanding in this season, but they're some of the breakout, some of like the breakout characters and actors are the ones you spend the most time with. And Seven is one of those characters. As usual, Seven is either great or or just, you know, to, to, uh, topping. She's never actively a distraction or, detra or detraction from the story. She's a great actress and a great character. And I think that a little Seven flavoring is always going to be, you know, something that if mm -hmm. they could include it, they will. Yeah, as long as they can stay true to her character always. Um, yeah, I, we're going to see more of her in the future, no matter what. So they also ask him, and you guys, I'm sorry about the cursor. When you say there was a cursor on my face, was it on my face? Was it on Shane's face? Let me know. Cause I, I'm, I'm not seeing the cursor the way you are. All right. So, um, they asked him, is there more action in this, uh, season? And he basically, basically Terry said, there's certainly more action than in seasons one and two. And I got to tell you. 100% correct. Yeah. There is true. like triple the actions. It's like all the action that should have been in season one and season two was like carried forward into season three. It's like right. rollover action, man. Yeah. It's throughout the whole middle of the series. It's like nonstop action. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost sort of exhausting. Um, continuing over at Trek movie. And by the way, this, this interview is on trekmovie.com. Um, only a portion of it's on honest pop culture because we want to give Trek movie the credit they deserve. Yep, this is their. I think this is this was their their exclusive. Uh, exclusive, right? Yeah. Um. So they actually asked them. So the Titan has two captains and an admiral on board. In addition to the actual captain of the Titan, we have seen shots in this and other trailers of Seven, Bakar, and Riker in the captain's chair. When asked if there's an element of too many cooks in the kit in on the bridge, Metallus replies. That definitely comes into question early on. Yes. Yeah, it does. Hmm. And I would like to uh, point you to his previous tweets where he compared it to... Remember that military movie? Um, with Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman? Oh, Crimson Crimson Tide. Yeah, he compared it to Crimson Tide. So if you want a feeling of what ha what is happening on the bridge in season three, there there is a very Crimson Tide element to it um for at least a couple episodes but but it but imagine okay so imagine gene hackman and denzel washington they didn't really know each other now imagine a couple of people who know each other really well right 
Right. It's Crimson Tide, but they're they're bros. They're they're, they're basically brothers. Right. They're bros. Yeah. Yeah. They're me and Shane. Mm. Um. All right. So so who's who's Picard and who's Riker? Oh, I'm definitely Riker. <laughs> Damn it! I'm gonna lose my hair. Not only do I have the beard, but I have mastered the art of the chair sitting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I actually always hated that. Yeah, I hated like, that in, until in, I, I hated that until I saw a supercut of it. Then I was mm-hmm. like, "That's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life." <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding. When he was, he was young, I'm like, "Well, he's so presumptuous. Look at him just sitting in anywhere he wants." <laughs> um, now I can't. Now I love the man. Yeah, they continue. Warp's warning. So cut around a shot of Titan Bridge on red alert and stash with Captain saying, Battle stations! <clears throat> we hear Worf in voiceover saying there is something coming. Some kind of attack. And Starfleet could be the target. Oh, okay. and by the way, if you guys want to see a video breakdown of this, I, we haven't mentioned it, but no, yeah. the trailer for Picard, we actually do a complete breakdown of the entire trailer, scene by scene. You can see that over on the other channel, the Popcast. Uh, and it breaks it down I mean, literally word for word, all the Easter eggs we can find and everything. So, yeah, yeah, we we put a lot of effort into it. Um, if you guys want to look at it, it is uh right here. This is what it looks like. Doctor Picard season final three. It's right here. Just go go to there and boom, watch it. All right. Um, so um, let me get back to this. Thank you for cutting me off. There's something coming. That's what some, I'm good at. Some kind of attack. And Starfleet could be the target. God, Worf is so fucking awesome in this series. <laughs> He's so great in this, in this I, show. I, I saw, I, I've been watching the screeners over and over again, like some kind of like insane person. Obsessed person. Yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed, like for sure. And, oh God, Worf is so damn cool. He's, you know what, guys? He is yeah, so cool. I don't, I cannot, every time I'm feeling like, oh, this might be cringe. No, Worf, Worf saves the day. Like, he's so <laughs> damn good. He's so good. Uh, anyways, Vitalis had previously said that the season's main plot is tied to the aftermath of the Dominion War. He said that? He said it's tied to the aftermath of the, of the Dominion War? Jeez, that is giving away a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he Well, he did. He's always kind of said that Worf's DS9 story where it was continuing. Well, I mean, yeah. It, wow. But that's that's pretty specific. And it's really specific. It's like so specific. And for our trailer analysis, he does confirm this connection. Yes, absolutely. Warp is connected to the main plot. He is still dealing still dealing with the fallout of the Dominion War. He says it again. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Dude, that, look. Okay, so here's the deal. There are three types of Star Trek fans. There are Star Trek fans. Um, that are just always wrong because they're, they're bad viewers of television and they probably have, you know, they're a little light on the IQ, but they like explosions. And those people really love like, and no offense, but they really love Star Trek beyond. And I like Star Trek beyond too. So I'm, I'm one of those people, but then there's the people that don't care about Canon or like, theories or whatever and they just sort of want to enjoy tv and those are the same people that when you ask them what are they like what are they like better star trek or star wars they go what's the difference and you want to just smack them in the face and then there's the vast majority of trek fans who will read into every 
everything you say, every frame, every word in the trailer, everything down to the credits. They will look at the credits to try to find a, 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 a pattern. The majority of Star Trek fans are, and no offense, I say this with love, we're nuts. I mean, that's me. Yeah. So you're right. Yes. So him saying three times that there's a connection to the Dominion War, there's no way that is lost on people. No. Like, I mean, well, but it doesn't give away specifics. But yeah, there is. It does not specifically give away anything. <laughs> <laughs> Enterprise F is there, but not the focus. Worf's warning cuts to a shot of the USS Enterprise, the successor to the USS Enterprise E, which appeared in three TNG movies. The Enterprise F joins other ships as Worf warns about the attack on Starfleet. But Metallus wanted to make it clear that the Enterprise F is not the hero for the season. It's true. You know what? There is a there is a point where maybe we should we he just stopped doing these interviews. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's been said before, though. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm almost positive it's been said before. We're on the Titan, mostly. Now, we're going to see multiple Enterprises, as Patrick Stewart has already told everybody. And which everybody's like, wait, did he just say multiple Enterprises? He ruined it, yeah. Um, yeah. From the very beginning. I mean, before we'd even seen the show. And uh, so you're going to... You know, it's... <laughs> Jay, there's no hero, you know, I don't think there's a ship that's a hero of this season. Well, no, yeah. So what Terry says exactly is more like an underdog, right? The Enterprise F is not the focus of the season, although it does appear in a very, very important moment. It's right. not the focus. The next gen cast does not all gather on the Enterprise F and go on a bunch of ventures. That is so well, well worded. That is really well put. Yeah. The hero ship of the season is the Titan, the underdog. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you're going to see more than just these. Two ships. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of ships. A lot of awesome ships. Bro, yeah. when Patrick Stewart said the multiple enterprises thing, you and I were like, all right, time travel. <laughs> time travel. It must be time travel. How, how does this work? How is there multiple enterprises? I love how simple the answer was. And it was so brilliant the way the way it was. Yeah. All right. Ed Spleers is part of the Crutcher's, Crutcher's crew. The trailer also introduces a new, still unnamed. I've almost, by the way, I forgot he was unnamed. I was on Twitter and I almost answered someone with oh, his really? name. I was like, well, no, but I actually had typed. Thank God for the undo <laughs> tweet feature, bro. Oh, thank God. Oh, really? So you had tweeted it. I know. I know. I, I hit it, but it was still in the thing where it's like sending. And I'm like. Wait a minute. Like, oh no, stop. Undo send. <laughs> oh, thank God you figured that out, dude. We would have been smashed. I I forgot. I, I in my mind, everyone knows what his name is. You're not allowed to tweet anymore. And his connection, his connection. And I almost just, just because you said that, now I'm terrified. I almost All I right. almost replied. No, I've been hyper vigilant since then, by the way. <laughs> hey, every I can see Paramount, CBS, you know, Terry Metallus, everybody going, okay. Kill the podcast guy. Uh, yeah. There's just like snipers outside my house. No, listen. Mildred, nobody knows his name, dude. Yeah. You know what's I know. So it, what is, isn't that wild? It's wild to us because we've known it for three months. I know. I know. I feel like everyone should know his name right now. Right. And so we saw the trailer, but you're right. It didn't say their names. It didn't say who Todd Stashwick is playing. So, what's the name of that captain? We don't know. I will, I will tell know. you his name. Like 
in the trailer though, if you're going frame by frame, like you might get a healthy idea of what his name is. Is it on the name tag? No, no, There's no, no name tag. No, it's in the trailer though. It's in the, it's in that very first part. Oh, of the was trailer. it on like a name card or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, good on point. Beverly, but ship. this guy's name you cannot tell. Right. You cannot tell Ed Spillier's name. It's very. It's his name is critical to the show. You can't say it. Yeah, at no, all. Saying even saying Ed Spillier's, I feel like I'm I, like I'm doing something wrong. It for like been three been months. The, we held we held onto a secret. It would have been the worst spoiler of all time. You giving away for the show. I know. If you would have given away that name, it would have ruined. I know everything. Shane, I know. My God, I'm having a panic attack. This right is now. what. This is why I've stopped <laughs> talking about Picard on Twitter. I was like, I was deadly afraid that I almost, I, I almost made this massive mistake. Now the screeners are out. See, there's the reason why we're talking like this. The screeners are out now, so a lot of people have access to the information. Right. And so now is when uh, Paramount is looking to kill people. Right. So they're going to, they have their snipers out and they're just waiting right. to pick off people and, and never let them have information ever again. So. Yeah, and just to be clear, previously when we had uh, procured information on Picard season three, either have seen it or before that, we even got like information that was really early. No, it, was, it was not <laughs> through official means okay right right so we couldn't get in trouble it was through our means us normal regular scum of the earth trekkies down here <laughs> reaching out to people on the production staff and like talking to like like literal like the like people that like clean the sets the basically the janitors like we <laughs> talked to people that you wouldn't that probably won't even show up on the credits in order to get that information but now that we're looped into the official you know, the official sources, like we can't reveal things. Like we have See, that's, to be that's clear. how they get you. That's mm -hmm. how they put the handcuffs on you. Right. They legitimize you, put the handcuffs on you. So right. congratulations. Yeah. Before we were making all these like like theory videos, and by the way, we were right. I love that there was like this Reddit post where it was like that was like uh is Ed Spilliers and they have like this theory. And someone responded with like a a link to our video and they're like, Yes, there's the video. Mm. And so one of the replies to that comment was, how is this five months old? <laughs> right. How is yeah. the video five months old? Um, so the thing is, like, that's how they get you, right? So we've been, we were right enough for us to get, <laughs> for us to get official uh, connections. And now that we have official connections and we know official things, we can't talk about it. Right. I, I almost wish I can go back to the rebel days where we were just crawling through people's trash. <laughs> right that's true it was all unconfirmed though this is way better having good confirmed information that's true yes dork knight the hands handcuffs are fuzzy <laughs> okay let's keep going here all right um so he says is is anyone is anybody you know still the person you knew that's what ed spilier's character mm -hmm. says metallus did offer a bit about this mysterious character it's wild and mysterious to me he is a crewman on the elios Beverly Crusher's starship and he is in starship and he is a member of Beverly's sort of doctors without borders group who's helping people on worlds that Starfleet has forgotten. Wow. That's safe. That's fair. That is like borderline, right? I mean, it's safe. No, I mean it, the fact that it's safe, yeah. but it's on the border of being not safe. I mean, it, it pushes you towards theories for sure. You know, right. But yeah. That's, a, that's an accurate statement without giving away too much. Right. 
by the way, the, 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 a lot, a lot here is like really good. Like Terry really thought these through. It's nice. Um, in another voiceover, we hear Deanna Troy saying, "There is a darkness, an all-consuming darkness." Troy can be seen at various points in the trailer as well, even though Worf's warning has a direct connection to his history of the Dominion War. Uh, Metallus said that all of the returning TNG crew had their own connections to the story. This is what Metallus said. They all fit into the main plot. This won't feel like a bunch of disparate stories that don't come Mm. together. Everything here is connected to one singular idea. So she is definitely feeling the main threat of the season. That's really well put. Yeah. And I would, I would argue that probably Deanna is the lightest of the characters. Yeah. You know, throughout the season, but, but they all do. Yeah. They're not cameos guys. These are, you're all together. And they're not window dressing. Like, even though she's the lightest of the characters, she plays a significant role still. Exactly. I don't know I'm copying so much today. Um, so a new shot of Rafi, no longer in a Starfleet uniform, as she was at the end of season two, appears to be showing her putting something in her into her eye. The character has a history of substance abuse, so could this indicate she has fallen off the wagon? Metallus would only say, that's a good question. Yeah, and that's exactly what he should have said. And um, because I looked very much, very, I looked very deeply into Star Trek lore for anything that has to do with what she's doing to herself right here. And there's just nothing there that I could find. So we're not going to say anything either, but it's, it's important to the plot. Right. The showrunner did offer some insight into what's in store for the character this season. We definitely reinvent Rafi quite a bit in this season. She is on her own journey in a really interesting and surprising way. Yes. I'm so glad he said this because I want yeah. to say this, but I didn't know if I could. This is not the Rafi, and I'm my mic is so far away because I'm 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 yelling. I think this, you got excited. This is not the Rafi from Picard season one and two. Mm-hmm. It's not. I mean, it is. You no, know, no. You know, it's the it same, is. It's the same character. Look, can can we say? Okay, go ahead. But it's not. It's the same character, but mm-hmm. there has been significant growth. I would argue that that growth occurs at the beginning of the show. I would say at the beginning of season one, at the very, very beginning, you get season one, season two, Rafi. Uh, and I would say that that yeah. transition occurs during the show. And the, and, which, the, and the reason it occurs is so good. Yes. And the reason it occurs is good, which we're not going to say. And you end up, listen, if you didn't like Rafi, which guess what? We didn't like Rafi. We didn't like Rafi at all. In season two, we were like so annoyed with her and done with her. You know, we were wondering, you know, what's up with Michelle Hurt? I'm going to be honest. I hated her in season two. I hated her. I know. It was was terrible. Every word that came out of her mouth made me cringe. I I, I despise that character. By the end of Picard season three, you end up loving her again. Yeah, you do. It's wild. You end up really liking this character. And finally seeing what Michelle can actually do. Like, she's actually Mm. a good actress. She's not she just a good whiny, content? angry character. She has right. depth, dude. When she has good content, she's a, she's a really great actress. Yeah. I can't believe I'm... like. Imagine going back like a year ago and saying, man, you're going to love this uh, what a, Rafi what never in Picard season three. Like, yeah. Would have never believed it. That's why whenever I hear like Doomcock like spouting mm-hmm. off, I'm like, I sort of get it. I get it. We're going to talk more about him during the weekly tarot. Yeah, we will. We're going to. All right. um, 
It has been previously reported that the season kicks off with Beverly Crusher on an attack ship. Yada, yada, yada. This is what Metallus said. There is a reason that Beverly will only reach out to Picard here. There's a reason that she can only trust him. Something is going on. Something going on is dire enough to reach out to Picard in this way. The stakes are very high. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, nice. Nice setup. And then having watched it again, like... So when so the first time I watched it, I was like... I just loved everything. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it with as critical eye as possible. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to pick apart every problem. The way we would yeah. everything else. Mm-hmm. And like, everything has a solid, like explanation that only adds to the previous explanation it's like it's so well done and i gotta say if terry mm-hmm. ever sees this dude holy crap man you have really de- you have really delivered on everything you promised it's really quite good well said um the main villain of the season is vatic played by amanda Plummer, who says in the trailer john luke picard we <laughs> will have vengeance <laughs> Vengeance is a comment. Uh, I've heard that line 50 times. Yes, you have. Vengeance is Even a comment. What? Especially doing our video. Yeah. yeah. We will have vengeance. I see, like, there's there's a spoiler there. There's a there's a a, a little tidbit of information in what she oh, yeah. says. <clears throat> well, you don't know what the vengeance is for, but yeah. Right. Um Vengeance is a common theme for villain motivation, both in Star Trek and outside of Trek. However, Metallus made it clear there's a little bit more going on here. This is what Metallus said. There's an infinitely more to it. Yes. There's infinitely more to it. Infinitely. Just because there's a line in the trailer that references vengeance doesn't mean people have to roll their eyes about Khan. Thank you. If I were to include more of Vatic's dialogue, it would be spoiling it too much for her motivation. I'm not in the business of spoiling things for fans that are part of the plot and that re- and that reveal reveals that makes the story satisfying. For now, vengeance is certainly part of the what she has to say, but certainly not all. Amen, that sh- brother. That should be enough to pique your interest. You know, I mean, just knowing that vengeance is a I mean, what does that mean, right? So vengeance means, yeah, somebody wants to get even, right? So that means something bad must have occurred. Right. Yeah, right. just to find vengeance and let your imagination do the walking. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um. <laughs> sorry, I had I had this thought. I can't say what it is. I'll tell you later. All right. There's this. I I remember this line. I'm gonna tell you later. Just remind me, please. Okay. God, I can't wait to talk about this series. Like I can't. We're close. Wait. We're so close. Vanek can also be heard on our ship. The Shrike attacks uh, as the Shrike attacks the USS Titan. Then we cut to to a shot of Vanek and her masked soldiers. Metallus draws a connection between their look and her ship. Her masked folk are symbolic of her ship being the Shrike, that sort of bird-like skeleton on them, Mm -hmm. and part of her philosophy, which you'll hear more about when you watch the season. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I mean it's it's that's good, but I don't think it's that important for yeah the overall. I mean, yeah, listen, um, henchmen, goons are just that. Yeah, they're henchmen. Exactly, yeah, they're henchmen. That's that's it. Um, this really is the end, but 
Riker says to Picard, you and I have traveled the far reach of space, but something different now. This is the end, my friend. What a great line for a trailer. As the trailer cuts to a title card with the final voyage begins. Then he reveals the TNG cast were returning for season three last year. Metallus said he was inspired to give them a proper send-off. In fact, <clears throat> the message of the final season in all the promos and posters, however, members of the cast and even Al Kurtzman have hinted that there could be more beyond season three. All right, so before I talk about how Metallus clarified this, there will always be more Star Trek. Right. Um, but what kind of Star Trek, that's what's important. There is no way Paramount is giving up its cash cow. Imagine if Disney decided they're no longer making Mickey Mouse cartoons. Of course, that's never going to happen. Right. Paramount <laughs> is never going to stop producing Star Trek. But there are two types of Star Trek. Bad Star Trek and good Star Trek. And Amen to that. Recently, we've gotten pretty much mostly bad. And while some members of the cast and even Alex Kurtzman have hinted that there could be more beyond season three, no, no, there will be more after season three. The but next time you decide to do a story outside the Weekly Terry, I'm going to smack you. This should be in the Weekly Terry. Because no, the Weekly Terry is too full. There's so much stuff to talk about with what you said. So maybe we should come to an end here after you finish this. Because there's so much that needs to go in the weekly Terry about this stuff that's Doomcock's been tweeting about, stuff that's out there. It's all attached We're to what you're saying. We're about to talk about though. that on the weekly Terry. But it's all attached to what you're saying right now. So it's so almost like the same thing. That's segment. why we need to talk about this first before we get to the weekly Terry. Hmm. All right. Well, that's I would say, well, what are you going to go from this to, to the weekly Terry? Because it's all the same thing. Well, you, no, I wasn't going to jump right into it, but we could if you want. I just no. want to make sure this chronologically was first. So that people watching understood when we got the week of Terry. Hmm, all right. This is what Metellus uh, said, and we're gonna and we're gonna wrap it up here. There is no question that this will feel by the time it's over like the final voyage of the next gen cast. And without going into specific spoilerific detail, that doesn't mean to say that a kind of next next generation show couldn't continue with Lexi characters. A kind of Star Trek legacy, if you will where these characters can continue to interact with a whole new generation. And when I say that, I also mean characters from Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and as well. But again, I will remind fans, this is just my dream of dreams and is not currently in development anyway. But should it ever be, I would be there in New York Minute. Thank you. So let me just point out here really quick. So shout out right now, the Dave Cullen Show being here. Dave really thanks glad you're here and glad you showed up and thank you for the comment that you put out here. He says, I'm extremely impressed with the first six. So like Dave, and this is something I was going to say for the weekly Terry, but it's here. So I'm going to mention it now. Um, there are a lot of screeners out, right? They've been working hard, Terry and everybody have been working hard to get screeners out to as many media outlets as possible because they want the positive word of Picard out there because they know the show's good. Dave just said it right here. <clears throat> extremely impressed with the first six. We haven't been smoke. We haven't been blowing smoke up your guys' asses. I'm telling you right now, Picard season three is going to be good. Everybody right now, there's still an embargo. Nobody can talk about any of the any of the episodes until after the show airs. But everybody coming out with their initial their initial comment is it's great. It's a return to great Star Trek. Listen, guys, we've been telling you for three months. 
this is going to be a great show. You need to saddle up. It's going to be fantastic. And if you want more, so we're telling you it's great. You've hated the last couple of years of Star Trek, most of you guys, for Picard. Most of you have hated Star Trek Discovery, okay? If you want more great Star Trek coming in the future, we need more Terry Trek, okay? We need Terry Metalis making this yeah. stuff. And unless the fans come out and get behind it and say how much they love it, there's not going to be any more Terry Trek. Yep. Okay. And so that, that's just, that just needs to be the way it's said. Yeah. And we're going to just going to go right into the weekly Terry because you can't say all that and not just go right into the weekly Terry. This is why I was, I've been holding it, but this it's all tied together. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's why. It's this is why but the, the reason why this wasn't part of the weekly Terry is because then we would have like one, two hour segment, bro. It why, has to be broken not? up. Why not? That's what it, what's important right now. Right. Anyways. That being said, Oh, and by the way, Dave, Dave, uh, Colin, man, I actually really enjoy your work. Okay. So if you ever want to be on one of our Picard panels, please, um, email us or message us on Twitter or whatever, dude. hundred percent. Um, and I'm, I'm, see, I'm glad. And, the, and before we get in the week, Terry, Dave Colin was someone who was really hard on season one and season two. Yes, he was. And he should have been, um, but seeing him change his opinion after seeing Card Season 3, this goes to show what kind of person he is. You, we, we need, And I told this to Mexican Iron Man. We go hard on all the people and all the shows that are horrible, right? We, cri- we criticize them. We go hard on, this, on the stupid hot takes that celebrities have and all the ridiculous nonsense that goes on in Hollywood. We go hard. We need to go hard when it's done correctly, too. We need to go hard every single time. If we're if we're gonna be hypercritical and hyper insane about ridiculous nonsense coming out of Hollywood, why don't we also be hyper, uh, you know, uh, positive positive about the good stuff? Hundred percent, dude. That's the way it's gotta be. For some reason, we always turn off our insane passion whenever something's good. We go, oh, that was good. We'll just not talk about it. Well, what's it's the because positive to... stuff doesn't get clicks, bro. Positive, Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. So I love that. I love that though. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get the, let's get to the weekly Terry <laughs> real quick. Uh, super chat from Walrads. Thank you, Walrads. Good to see you here. Um, are the people who want Terry to fail for reasons we might not see? People, perhaps even behind the scenes. I hope he has great success. Um, what we what we can say is that we don't think that anybody wants Terry to fail. But uh, let's just say that um, no one's convinced yet that his vision of Star Trek is the correct vision going forward. And I think they're going to need to see fan reaction to what Terry's created for Picard season three before they uh, before they decide they might want to actually um, continue with his line. So as of right now, it's really up to us. Uh, if 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 we come from behind it and and everybody, all the fa- all the fans are like, yes, this is the kind of Star Trek that we want, then um, then we very well likely see more of him in the future. So, yeah, yeah, I hope that's what it's going to take. Well, it's, it's I'm telling you, it's going to be good. I think Kurtzman is going to be. Uh, honestly, guys, I don't even know if Kurtzman sat down to watch the whole show yet. <laughs> so frankly speaking okay let's just be honest here for a second i don't know i don't i can't confirm or deny that but i have a strong feeling he has not so uh 
it doesn't matter if he watches it or not, because he's going to listen to what other people tell him. Strange New Worlds exists because fans got crazy and they wanted more of uh, Captain Daddy. Captain, Captain Daddy. Mike. <laughs> like, like, you know? Like, ooh, Daddy. <laughs> right, right. Let me, get, let me get some taller hair, Daddy. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. So you think you know, you're not going to be loving some Ed Spaliers and uh, some Seven of Nine? Oh, my God. Uh, I think I just lost Shane. Thank God I wasn't recording the Terry track yet. Um, oh, you're back, dude. I'm back. Another thing I can't tell you guys about, but like, there's this, uh, there's this moment with Ed Spears that is just so absolutely badass. <laughs> that, <laughs> while I was reviewing it, don't say anything. While I was reviewing it yesterday, this was my reaction. Oh, yes, <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah, listen, if it sucks, dude, uh, and we're wrong. I mean, dude, I just to let us know. Like, listen, if you guys give it a shot, like I know David Nunya, he's been here for a while and he like just hates Picard. I get it. If you guys are just like, if you guys watch this and you actually give it a shot, the first couple episodes or whatever, and you go, uh, podcast guys are totally wrong. They're full <laughs> of it. Like, come here and tell us, come on the show and tell us why. Because yeah. we are in the same, we believe the same way you do about almost all the current new Trek stuff. Are we doing the weekly Terry right now or no? We're about to, yeah. Well, okay, so let's pitch that sucker because I want to say something that needs to be in the weekly Terry. And that okay. talks about directly what you're saying right there. Okay, so listen, yeah, so I'm going to pitch that in. But remember, <laughs> we're on the same page here. Okay, here we go. The Weekly Terry! <laughs> it's getting longer, dude. It's getting longer. That's right. You're giving people PTSD with that thing. Um, there was someone who was like, I can't see Terry's face anymore without hearing in the background. The Weekly Terry! <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry for what I've done. <laughs> no it's a great segment it's actually our it's our favorite segment um if you came from the last hopefully you came from the last clip where we talked about this but you know with picard season three like eminent now with two weeks away we've got the uh coming up here really soon we've got the premiere which is next thursday so they're going to do the chinese grauman theater premiere on on the 10th i guess it is right ninth. Yep. then we've got the opening uh, episode one, which is coming out probably at midnight on Wednesday, the 15th going into the 16th. Right. right because um, the embargo is 6 a.m., right? Right. 6 a.m. Pacific, 6.30 a.m. Pacific time. Nobody can talk about it until after that uh, for the first episode. Um, so there's a lot of stuff getting ready to come that's, that's happening. Um, but we specifically wanted to talk about, you were talking earlier about, um, you know, people who are detracting, people who are saying, you know, if this is going to be terrible, overwhelmingly people are saying who've actually seen the screeners that this is great Star Trek or return to great Star Trek. Um, but you have people out there right now, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Doomcock's one of them. And Doomcock is going hard on Twitter. He's going hard in the paint. Hard on Twitter against Picard season three. And here's the thing. Um, I feel bad for him in a way because he hasn't seen it. So at least if he's going to talk that way on Twitter about how bad something is, at least he should have the guilt of having to know he's lying to himself. Right. Uh, but he hasn't seen it yet. So he doesn't know. Yeah. I was almost like, can we suggest 
to the screener people that they give Doomcock a screener, but I don't. I, I, we they couldn't trust him not to leak it. He he would leak it. Right. He there's no way you could give it to him, and he's he because he has an agenda. His agenda is to destroy Star Trek in its current iteration. Seems that way. And, in hopes. No, it's not seems that way. He specifically said that his goal is to bring down Alex Kurtzman to create a new thing for for Star Trek. Somebody else yeah, in charge. It's definitely, def- it's definitely Alex Kurtzman, but you said Star Trek. No, he wants to bring current Star Trek down. Okay. And replace it with somebody who's going to... Listen, you don't know what Picard Season 3 is. You haven't seen it, but you're saying terrible things about it. So really should hold back on that. But here's the thing. If... They're going to find things, bad things to say about the show, no matter what. Sure. He's going to watch it and he's going to find ways to criticize it. Now, let me tell you guys something. If you're expecting Picard season three to look like Star Trek, the next generation, it will not. It is not shot in that sort of lighting. No. It is not shot in the 80s, 90s style of TV. Okay. God forbid we didn't even have a very good resolution back then compared to now. (laughs) Right. Don't forget and so, the, the old four three aspect ratio. Right. It's going to be so it's not going to look the same. And already I can see the beginning criticisms are like, it doesn't look the same. It's too dark. It doesn't look like uh, TNG. Well, guess what? It's not going to look like TNG. What's important is the characters, the story. Okay. And it's shot in a style that's today. So if you're going to complain about it, it's that's going to be an empty complaint that it's not the same brightness as it was before. Yeah, listen though, like so that's that's a good point. Let, let's let's talk about that. So as someone who um who digest uh decades worth of movies and television for the channel and for ourselves, we have often put together videos where we are using footage from like say Stargate SG1 or Stargate the movie, Stargate SG-1, Atlantis, Universe, every iteration of that Stargate has been a drastically different shot. Cinematography, brightness, saturation, every single one. Like, Atlantis and SG-1 were the closest to each other because they were the closest to each other chronologically. But you go back to the movie, and you go, and then you go to SG-1, completely different things. Universe and SG-1 are so far removed from each other as far as style that that it's like watching a different TV show. And I'm not right. saying Universe was the best show. Um, it had its problems, but like as time goes on, styles and cinematography and technology changes. People aren't going to be using 4-3 aspect ratio. They're not going to... They don't have to light their sets with a giant, huge over, overhead softbox in order to see everything, because their cameras are better now, and they can pick up things in low light. So when directors want to get that perfect, epic, cinematic feel, they they can do that with the right camera and with the right flood. They don't have to light the entire set anymore. This is not the seventies and eighties. It's not right, right. So that's one of the one of the big arguments already is from the from the trailers. They're saying it's it's dark. It's going to be a dark show. Um. You know, it's definitely a, it's not going to be a lighthearted TV show. That's not what it's about, you know, and TNG, if you go back to all the Borg stuff, come on, was that lighthearted? No, it wasn't. It was just shot lighter. So that's not a good complaint. And about the idea of bringing Kurtzman down, okay, about the idea of basically replacing, trying to get him replaced. Guys, frankly speaking, 
the problem, as we've already said, isn't necessarily Kurtzman. The problem is, is the executives, there are no, and listen, I would like to suggest Robert Meyer Burnett a couple of days ago did this incredible, incredible monologue that breaks all of this down. And, and he sees it same way eye to eye as we do. Um, so definitely go back and watch his video from a couple of days ago, where he basically says, there are no Star Trek executives, okay? In all of these other, whether it's Marvel, now DC, all of these other IPs, right? Uh, even Star Wars now, there's an executive that's in charge of that content. So Paramount Plus doesn't have a Star Trek executive, somebody who's familiar with the history of Star Trek, the lore, a fan who cares about Star Trek. Okay. So because they don't have somebody like that, they're like, okay, look, we just, let's make some money. So then they hire somebody like Alex Kurtzman because he wrote the 2009 Star Trek movie, right? With, uh, bad, with Robert Orsine. Bad reboot. I'm sorry. Right. And so they, he ends up coming in to, to help support, right? With, um, with Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller gets fired. So Kurtzman ends up with the job. That's how Kurtzman got the job. Kurtzman has said multiple times he's not a huge Star Trek fan. So guess what? He doesn't love Star Trek. You don't have an executive that loves Star Trek. So they start hiring showrunners that may or may not like Star Trek, but obviously aren't huge fans until they hire Terry Metalis, who that's where he started. He started on uh, Voyager. He started on Deep, Deep Space Nine, went into Enterprise. This is, this is where he cut his teeth. Terry Metalis was a student at Emerson College and sent thousands and thousands of faxes to Hollywood to trying to get in as an intern at Star Trek. Right. He wanted it so bad. That's how he got his start. So listen, uh, if you want to bring down Kurtzman, there's no guarantee they're going to replace him with somebody else because we don't have an executive at Paramount who loves Star Trek. They just love money right now. So what we have to do is don't, that's fine. Kurtzman or they replace him with some other fool who doesn't care about Star Trek. The goal should not be to bring him down. The goal should be to prop up good Star Trek, prop up the good stuff. So after you see season three, and if you want to listen to Doomcock and, and, and you have an agenda, all you might do is bring down Kurtzman to replace him with another Kurtzman. Yeah. There's another Kurtzman okay. in the corner. You might as well go with what you have as a win. You got good Star Trek with Terry Metalis. Just keep pressing it and get him to make more. Maybe eventually he becomes the the Kevin Feige, the the James Gunn, the yeah. you know maybe he the becomes Alex Kurtzman. Maybe he just be taking Alex Kurtzman. Kurtzman. Yeah, give him right? Alex Kurtzman's job. Let's let's right. get rid of, let's get rid of Kurtzman and install Terry Metalis and call it a day. And now you have somebody who cares about Trek on all levels in every Star Trek show is worried about canon and story and and not having a bunch of stupid writing that, that takes nonsense, you away from right. Yeah, this is what you want. So anyways, you can see why we're behind it. We've, we've been, we're tired of not having good Star Trek. We're sick of it. Right. Okay. And so, yeah, Terry Trek. Okay. We're just going to keep going. Yeah. David Nunez says, uh, counterbalance Stacey Abrams. Yeah, that was a bad idea. They of shouldn't course. have, they, that, was a wor- that was one of the worst, most transparent, horrible things i have seen in a tv show ever here show me your show me your politics yeah showrunner literally I mean, that's michelle paradise i mean she's got her own agenda everybody has their own agenda let's let's have an agenda from somebody who's a star trek fan right. all they care about is star trek making good star trek that's it that's what we do. all right so this is the weekly terry so we're going to be going through uh, a list of notable uh tweets and as shane said earlier 
every early reaction I have seen has been rock solid. I have not seen a single um, real criticism so far to any of the early reactions for people and reviewers that got the um, first six episodes of the season. Um, I feel bad for these people that they had to stop on episode six. <laughs> I know, right? We got yeah, to see the whole thing. Can you imagine getting to six and then having to stop. That's crazy. That's hard. All right. So this is um, the very first tweet we got here from Terry Tellus. He was answering someone who asked, anything TOS fans can look forward to in Picard season three? He said, I think so. Some will cry fan service. I think that mm. stuff is organic to the world. Yeah, there's definitely a T- TOS stuff in there. Yeah, the fan service thing. I mean, we do have a problem with fan service in, in Hollywood today. But I think in this situation, fan service is only a problem when it doesn't serve the story. And in this case, in Picard season three, it serves the story. It's there for a purpose. It's not just an Easter egg for, for you to go, oh, you know, it's that's not why it's there. So I think that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. It does work and is organic, I think. Um, so that was the TOSTs. And then from Scott Matz, just watched the first six episodes of season three of Star Trek Picard, and I'm completely blown away. So fun, action-packed, full of heart. This is everything to TNG fans. And I must say, this is the best acting I've seen from Jonathan Frakes uh, as Riker. That's true. Yeah, that is so true, man. Yeah, someone said Riker looks tired. I don't know, man. Uh, so maybe in the trailer, like that's what you're—that's the vibe you're getting. That's not the vibe in the series. That's all I I'll tell, tell you. What you. Jonathan Frakes lost weight? He got in a little bit of shape for this. Yeah. He, uh, he was concerned doing this. He was like, "Huh, oh, you know, he's a director now, guys." So putting the uniform back on, and you know what? It's revitalized him. I think he wants to do more. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is cool. He did. He did lose weight though. Like he got. He did. He got he he trimmed up. He's like, all right, if I'm doing Riker, we're doing it right. Good for him. Yeah, no, he really did. Because I think in in seasons one and two, or seasons one, I guess, it was pretty much um, just cameos. Like I think that's the way it was sold to him. Like these are cameos. You're gonna be making pizza with your buds, and <laughs> like he didn't have to like worry about fitting into the old uniform. You know, right, right. It wasn't um, a priority, right. So this was a really, really heartwarming early reaction. Um, this is what Terry said. I got Misty this morning reading the words in this month's SFX magazine. Thank you, Darren Scott. I'm so glad we can be here for you. Everyone else send the suspect message. Okay, so basically they sent um, early screeners to Darren Scott. And this is what Darren Scott said. This is why. My mom passed away just before Christmas. One of the few things that helped me get through December was having SFX to focus on. And funnily and fun, fun, funny enough, having access to the new episodes of Star Trek Picard to watch. When I tell you that not for one second was I dragged back to reality is no understatement. This is probably the best Star Trek I've ever seen. It's massive. It's epic. There's love. There's loss and grief. I don't get to, t- I don't, get to tell my mom about the new shows I just know showed love. So tap that communicator and send the subspace, subspace message to, to you've been putting off love and sci-fi to you. So they gave, him, they gave him early access because um, he couldn't make it to the screeners. 
Wow, that's really that's really sweet. I mean, and there you go. There's the there's the heart and soul of it. I mean, these are these are Star Trek fans talking about how they feel about Picard season three. So yeah, if you don't trust us, just listen to everybody else. Yeah, I'm having a hard time talking right now. Excuse me, one second. Which which story is this under? I can do some. Uh, Wiggly Terry and pop and honest pop culture. Just pop it up there. Uh, we're at the Eric Diggins, the NPR guy, huh. <laughs> the one who didn't didn't Terry said that your voice sounded like the guy from NPR. Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's see, Eric Diggins at NPR. I've watched several episodes of Star Trek: Picard's new season. And it is everything I hoped a reunion of next generation characters would be on an updated Paramount Plus Trek series. Fans will love it, and it's proof of the franchise's enduring strength. So that's more of what we've been saying, basically. Yeah, I don't know about enduring strength. This is the, this is the, this is the best we've gotten for a while. Well, yeah, enduring strength meaning, yeah, hopefully from old Trek to new Trek. Right. And then uh, one more early reaction from Phil Perillo. Having watched a lot of Picard season three, it's the best thing Star Trek has done in live action since first contact in DS9. Pretty spot on. The emotional real estate usually reserved for main characters is spread out to everyone in ways you've never seen before. I wish I can get my first time back. I feel the same way, man. I wish I could watch it for the first time again. You guys are so lucky. You're going to get to see it for the first time coming up. Just relish this when you guys get a chance to see it. Okay, so those are the early reviews we pulled. There's a lot more, but we're not going to say here do early reviews for the rest oh, of the Oh, no, there's some Doomcock stuff. But, yeah, I know. I was, I'm trying oh. to segue. Oh, sorry, so sorry. so we, we showed you the good stuff. Now we're going to talk about the Doomcock stuff. <laughs> um, this is what Doomcock said in reaction to the trailer. And remember, Doomcock has not seen it. As I said, folks, Picard season three is just more. I'm not going to do his voice. Picard Thank season you. three is just more of the same woke bull as uh, HIT. Only this time, they've reunited a bunch of TNG cast members to corrupt their characters just like they corrupted Picard. This is just another ploy to sugarcoat their wokeness into con fans. Don't be fooled. <laughs> well, he's never going to come on to debate it. Um, but you know, it's what's really, I'm, I'm embarrassed for him because the show's going to come out for everybody. Um, and it's not going to be woke because it's not. And trust me, we are, we have no problem telling you what's woke and what's not woke in our opinion. Yeah. Yeah. We, our opinions are never held back in that regard. Yeah. Right. So I'm I'm, I'm always worried about possibly getting canceled. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not woke. Um, it's, it, they've reunited a bunch of TNG cast members to corrupt their characters. Well, guess what? They don't, they don't corrupt the characters at all. In fact, if anything, the characters are better they're than they've ever been. Yeah. Okay. They're celebrated and they're, they're more evolved. Like you under, they're fully developed characters, probably for the first time. That's, what's cool about it. Now, after seeing after 30 years, you, you thought you knew them right now. You just know them better. Right. You know what I mean? And it coincides with exactly who they were when they were younger as well. So it's, it's all just, just wonderful. Uh, This is just another ploy to sugarcoat their wokeness to con fans. Don't be fooled. You know, if he wanted to make that argument for uh, seasons one and seasons two, I would say he necessarily wouldn't be wrong, especially, well, especially for discovery. But 
when it comes to Picard season three, he's just, he just doesn't know. And putting this crap out here when you don't know is tantamount to, um, to, it's just a huge mistake. I mean, you're not doing any service to your fans. You're giving them misinformation that is simply not true. You know, you can talk about what you think is going to happen, what you think might happen, but you can't just say that's what it is. I mean, in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, there was, uh, a tweet attached to that, that for some reason I can't see now. I think, I think I was, I think we were blocked by Jesse. It's the re no, it was, no, we're not blocked by Jesse. Yeah. It came um, from Jesse. Right. Right. But for some reason I can't see it anymore. I can tell you what the tweet was. Right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get to. Cause, because I, okay. I also think that Jesse Ariel, you know, might be reading a little too much into it, but you know, whatever. Well, it, not necessarily. See, everybody gets things for their own, their own target. So she talks about, uh, in the, tr- no, no. What did she talk about in the trailer? Or did she talk about in, she was talking about the series. She saw the screeners, right? She told us she saw the screeners and she was talking about the screeners, not the trailer. So she kind of gave away more information than she should have. Yeah. She actually should not have been, she should not have been allowed to talk about it until after the embargo. So she actually kind of made a boo-boo there and Doomcock tried to take advantage of it. And the, the real shame of it, of her putting this information out right now is that we can't get any context of it because we can't say what it actually is that she knows or what she saw. But she basically says something to the effect that um, that seven of nine, um, uh, what do they call it? Name? Dead naming. Dead naming. So that seven of nine deals with being dead named. I think that's what it was, right? Yeah, but it is, it is like, that is not what happened. But no, that's what she said, right? Right. Okay. So Doomcock connected onto that going, oh, well, if they're doing dead naming in Star Trek, then obviously it's woke. That was the ammunition he used for this tweet. Right. The problem is, is that Jesse, the, the scene that she's talking about is not specific to uh, what we have going on in, in, in culture right now with dead naming. It's not specific to that. Now, if you wanted to apply that reasoning to what happens in that scene, you can, because it's your own personal experience. And you, what you get from Star Trek sometimes is mirrored by your personal experience. And so maybe Jesse got dead naming from that scene in with Seven of Nine, but for you and I and the people who maybe don't connect with that sort of thing, it's just going to feel like a natural thing. And that's what I was trying to explain. I even tweeted back to Doomcock, hey, that's not what it is. It's not. You haven't seen it. You know, you really should wait until February 16th. Right. And, uh, and so she definitely I, was, shared too much there. And I understand that's being right. filtered through her personal experiences completely right. fine. There is, and that's cool, but there's no dead naming or whatever. That's, that's not what's in there. Um, real quick, David Nanga says, uh, sending screeners and inviting YouTubers is like their main wrong. Well, yeah, they were wrong. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. So David, I'll yeah. give you a little piece of information. Yeah, can, you, can you fix that? Cause that's what I was about yeah. to bring up. Don't see, this is, this is what we're talking about, about putting out wrong information. Okay. So Star Trek isn't inviting a bunch of YouTubers. Yeah. Let me tell you who's inviting a bunch of YouTubers. Terry Metalis is. Yeah. Terry Metalis and nerd, nerd, nerdrotic is coming because part, partly because of us. So he's, yeah, essentially he's coming to the premiere because, because it's partly what we're doing. Nerdrotic, we, we're Nerdrotic is our plus one. Just a heads up. Nerdrotic yeah, Gary is, is our, our right. plus one. We were able to get Nerdrotic in 
because we like we, we know Gary. He's a friend, and we had a plus one, and that's why Gary is going. And we think he's going to love Picard season three. So right. he's coming out to the premiere. And, and, and when and, Shane um, asked Gary if he wanted to go, she was like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll come. So, yeah, like, so and Gary's going to tell the truth, guys. This is what we love about Nerd Rod. Yes. Now, Paramount's a lot of people... not reaching out to Nerd Rodic saying, please like us. Now, right. We got a plus one because of Terry, right? So Terry gave us plus one, and we are bringing Nerd Rodic as our plus one because our wives well, we don't care a, about we, Star Trek. <laughs> well, we got a plus one because some people get plus ones to go to the show, not necessarily because of Terry. Right. Okay. We get a plus, you know, sometimes you get to take a, take a date with you. So we're bringing Nerd Roddick. That's right. Because we think that Gary, once he sees it, is going to say what he truly believes. And if it's not good, Gary's going to say it's not good. But let me tell you what Gary's not going to do. Gary's not going to do what Doomcock's doing. And he's not going to say it's bad when it's not bad. Okay. He's just not going to do that. We've known him for too many years. He's going to tell the truth. He'll tell it from his perspective. Right. Yeah. That's one thing but we really appreciate about him. We appreciate that about Gary is that even if his perspective is not always on the same vibe as, as ours, um, he does genuinely tell the truth. This is how he sees things, how he believes things. So right. of course we want to bring nerd Roddick. Of course yeah, we want nerd Roddick to experience this so he can understand what we're seeing as early right. as possible. And look, honestly, you know, the more people who, who say that this 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 uh, version of of Star Trek is good means potentially getting more Star Trek that's good, guys. <laughs> right. And also, just to answer uh, this question here, Brian will be paying for dinner. So yeah, that's yeah. Brian yeah. paying for the day. I had to, I had to pay for dinner. Um, that was the only way I can get Gary to come. So yeah, so yeah, that's okay. Uh, Yorkshire. I want to see Brian, Shannon, Gary, Lincoln arms giving on the red carpet. <laughs> We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Oh, the the freaking Twitter poll. I totally expected it to be full Klingon, cos- full Klingon cosplay. It wasn't. What was it? It was like classy. They Everyone wants me oh. just to dress like a normal classy person. You know why? Because they don't want you to embarrass us. That's what I, they're saying. Like, I am shocked us. at the same people that voted for me to get a lower back tattoo. That they want me to put dress in a, in a tie and a suit. Well, that's embarrassing you, but you're representing all of us out there, you know, so you got to, you got to look good. Yeah. I'm, I'm just wearing, I'm wearing a, a blazer and a Terry trick shirt. That's what the poll wanted me to do. And that's sort of what I want to do anyway. So awesome. Uh, well, that's what I'm wearing. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. So and my, and I'm going to wear my pop gas hat if I can freaking find it, bro. I'm wearing, well, I don't know if I'm going to wear a hat, but I'm definitely wearing the Terry trek shirt. No, I'm, I'm wearing my podcast hat, not my territory. And you, know, you don't like hats, but I, I don't. I, yeah. I prefer hats. Okay. So let's read this last Doomcock thing, and then if we got anything else for the weekly Terry, we can move on. All right. Uh, Picard season three is basically a remake of Star Trek Nemesis. Only in this case, Shinzon has more hair and less charm. A lot of pew pew ugly darkness characters explicitly saying, "Are these the same people you knew?" And the answer is, "Hell no, not even close." Skip this shit, folks. All right. I guess you get all that from the trailer. How does it how does it feel to make like a definitive statement on something that you've never seen? Have you ever tried doing that? I mean, well, when your agenda's always been that way, of course you can Let's see. You, you do that. What movie have I not seen that was really popular? Um oh, I haven't seen that movie yet with with Mich- uh with Giorgio, well Michelle Yo. 
I started watching it with my wife, and then she fell asleep, so I turned it off, right? So ready? Oh, everything, everywhere, all at once? Everything, everyone. So if you've seen everything, everywhere, all at once, I'm going to make a definitive statement about this movie that I have not seen. Are you ready? <laughs> this movie was horrible. Michelle Yeoh, at one point, transitions into an Apache helicopter and blows up an entire school, and I am tired of it. That's pretty much what I just heard. That's what I read. Yeah, someone who's never seen it, he's, he, and we've seen it, so we're like, no, it's definitely not a remake of Star Trek Nemesis. Shinzon has nothing to do with this character. Now, to be fair, their ships look similar, so I, I see how you can like be like drawing a comparison between the Shrike, Shinzon ship, and maybe the ship from 2009, the Romulan mining well, vessel. He does get a little bit of, I mean, we do get some Vatic lines so i mean i think that's what he's talking about here um but it's just look it's 10 seconds of 10 hours you know right it's a one line it's a one-off i mean you really can't and you can't make a total assumption he's not saying <laughs> picard season three looks like it's this he says picard season three is this and you know when you make definitive statements about things that you don't know anything about, then you might be definitely definitively wrong. Here's a little so hint for you guys in the trailer. Um, Vatic says we will have vengeance. Notice she said we will have vengeance, not I will have vengeance. Um, hmm. You are watching a trailer where you are clearly not. Of course, you're not going to be given the whole story, and there's a lot. There's a lot more to Vatic. Than what you're seeing there. There's a lot more to the to the story than what you're seeing there, and that's that's the only that's the only hint I can give you. We will yeah. have vengeance. We, plural, multiple people, not her, not just her. Okay. Or maybe we maybe she's it's it's also possible she's schizophrenic. I mean, and yeah, she could she could be complete. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> she's a schizophrenic. Want to make sure. <laughs> maybe like. Uh, random personalities emerge. Some are right. nice. Some are Klingon. <laughs> some are Orion, Orion slave girls. We don't know. We don't know. Although don't. everything we just said is obviously not the case because they wouldn't say it. <laughs> um, let's add a little bit here. Um, let's add a little bit here. Do you have anything else for Weekly Terry? No, it's 30 minute Weekly Terry. I thought I timed it pretty well. You did really good, but we're going to add something that just came out okay. from Den of Geek. Okay. Okay. So if you, Den of Geek here, uh, I will send the link over to Brian so he can put it up for all of you beautiful people. Yeah, baby. Uh, Den of Geek came out with a little thing here. It says here, Picard showrunner rejects fan complaints about new Star Trek series. Uh-oh. What is real Trek? Star Trek Picard showrunner Terry Metalis argues there's always been pushback from the fandom. Um, basically Terry says, I remember when TNG wasn't real Trek, then DS nine, then Voyager, then enterprise. Remember the theme song backlash. Now people have come up, come around to that series. It is fantastic to be excited for a return to the old tone here, but there can and should be many different kinds of Trek. Okay. Yeah. Can I, can I know you're about to like go off on like a crazy rant, but can I just skip no, in no, here real ahead. quick? Um, when DS9 first came out, I didn't like it. In fact, I didn't like it until it introduced Worf. And that's when I was able to get into it. When Enterprise came out, the very first time I heard that theme song, I thought it was the stupidest 
cringiest, silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. I absolutely hated it. Um, I was able to get past it and enjoy the characters and enjoy the story. When Voyager came out, the first episode, or the first two episodes, I should say, are horrible. The caretaker episodes, you have to suspend so much disbelief on how they got there and why they stayed that it almost affects you mentally. Like, am I a crazy person? Because this makes no sense. But I stuck with it. It's my favorite series ever. It's my favorite series ever. And to be clear, TNG, the first season, was not very good. I don't care what anyone says. Well, it was not very I good. Couldn't, I couldn't stand Picard. I did not like having yeah. a bald captain. And, and Riker, I thought, was a cheap ripoff of William Shatner. And right. those were my exact feelings when I watched the first episode. And I'm like, yep. oh, I don't know about this. Yes, it wasn't. You know? yeah, we, we, I didn't like it. In fact, there's a term, growing the beard, because I don't think TNG got better until, and I agree with them, until Riker grew the beard in season three. So, yes, there's always, when especially when there's a change, there's always going to be a change where it might be a negative change. But sometimes but sticking fairness, with it is a, is a payoff. Go ahead. And in all fairness, and I appreciate what Terry's saying here, because what he's trying to do is he's trying to be inclusive. And in, he's right in a way that there can be many types of Star Trek. When there's only one Star Trek show on, like back then when at the time it was, it was Enterprise, um, and then DS9, and then Voyager, and some of them overlapped each other a little bit, right? And Enterprise was all by itself. Mm-hmm. Right now we have five five was it five yeah one two three yeah we have five shows on right start no it's four or five five shows we have five star trek shows on two uh two two animations, animations right and three and then we have action. discovery picard and strange new worlds right okay so we've got five star trek shows so what terry's saying is that there are there can there can be many different types of treks so for example discovery right we we're not happy discovery was the only thing that came out and we weren't happy because we didn't like it and not, not right? and and it and we tried to like it. We tried just just like but the it, other shows that we didn't like initially or whatever. We tried. Discovery only got worse. It never right. got better. It literally That's, only fell deeper and deeper into horribleness. Right. But so what what I'm trying to say is Terry. What, what I'm trying to say is in this case, it wasn't the only show that we could watch. Eventually, Picard came out, and we hated that too. Right. So. We started out, you know, maybe that's possibly good, but then we eventually didn't like it either. So now we got two shows we don't like. Lower Decks was universally relatively liked. Um, and both of the animated shows ended up being pretty good. Um, but the both live action shows weren't good. Then Strange New Worlds came out and we were like, oh, okay, no, this is better. This is better Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Not great Star Trek, but yeah. better. Daddy Pike. Right. And now Picard season three is a return to the old. So what Terry's saying here is that <laughs> There can be mis- there there should be many different types of treks. There can be, I think, is the is the is the tone here. Discovery shouldn't stop being made if there's a whole fan base who likes Discovery. Yeah, okay, then more it. power to those people for liking it. It's just not our cup of tea. Yeah, and I'm so okay. glad I'm I'm glad that it's so far in the future. I don't I don't even have to include it in, in our theory videos. You know, don't break canon. Don't break Star Trek canon. Don't ruin characters right. that are legacy, but go ahead and, and keep making it if that's what you want to do. As long as there's Star Trek for us that loves Star Trek for what it is. As long as that's there, I'm not going to complain that something else exists. So um, I just wanted to put out that that he put that out there. And I think it's important to note that if you hear us saying like, 
we want we want Terry Trek, we want Picard season three, we want this is the future of Trek that we want going forward. It doesn't mean that for the people that do enjoy other types of Star Trek, you can't have that as well. It just means there needs to be Star Trek for the old time fans. And this is kind of the direction we're going. Yeah, for us legacy fans. And to be fair, there's needs there needs to be Star Trek that's con that is actually continuing in the prime timeline as yes. continuing forward in the continuity of the prime legacy, whatever you want to call it, timeline. Um, if you want to make if you want to make a side a side trek and go off into the past and hang out with Pike, or go off into the future and hang out in that dystopian nightmare place that is Discovery, then go ahead. But like you need to continue the regular story, the actual prime timeline story, and continue that continuity in some way. And that is Picard season three, right. guys. Right. So Picard season three catches up, catches up with current continuity. We really want a series that takes off where Picard season three leaves off in the timeline. I think it's critical to the success of future Star Trek and like kind of embracing what the core of Star Trek is by continuing to tell the story that started with TOS, went into TNG. It's, it's the TNG Deep Space Nine Voyager story continued. Yeah. You know, and that's what Picard season three is really. Yeah, Picard well, one, season, two, but three. No, Picard season one tried to continue the story. They fell in their face face because of bad writing. Picard but it's season, in the timeline. Right. Picard season two didn't even try to continue the story. They literally instantly went back in time and that's true. And stayed there. They didn't they didn't forward the timeline whatsoever. Right. Um Picard season three does, like drastically. Yes. And it also sets up to continue the story in the current timeline. Right. And I think that's what's key, and hopefully that's what ends up being embraced yeah we hope yeah we can only hope folks all right and that said that is the end of the weekly terry if you liked this and you want to see more please hit the subscribe button on the way to the comment section to let shane know he's a shill that's it i if i'm gonna be a shill they should at least pay me yeah i keep right? telling what i like listen guys um I'm getting called a show a lot, and I don't have any paychecks to back that up. So you know what? I, I'm I'm gonna I'm actually accept. very poor. So can I can can I get some shill pay, payments here, please? Let me tell you what I'm shilling for. I'm shilling for good Star Trek. Well, you're I'm simp, not shilling because shilling is implying that you get paid for it. Listen, man, all these new stupid words. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm so sorry. I'm simping the all this other crap. You're a which, you're a Terry Metallic simp, bro. I'm gonna be 50 years old this year, guys. Okay, so I don't know what the f simping means. I think it means like, to me, it means like an imp doing something bad. I don't know. Uh, it's some like uh, like person with no girlfriend who gives money to e girls online. Oh, that's what that's, a simp is. That's kind of what I'm doing to Star Trek, I guess. Yeah. So, <laughs> only, only Star Trek that 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 loves its history, its cult, and and is moving forward to the future. Here's That's the it. difference: a shill gets paid, a simp pays. That's really the difference. Well, I'm not really paying anything. Well, you do. You pay for Paramount Plus. Well, right? you put your reputation on the line, and for like six months, you've true. been saying how awesome Picard is. You're paying. There's a cost. There's, there's a, a there's cost. There's a cost. But Plus. I'm pretty sure Shane didn't have gray in his beard prior to Picard season three announcement. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And let me tell you something, but here's the deal. If Picard season three is great, everybody falls in love with it. And we get a renaissance of star Trek shows after this because of the going out and doing what we're doing here. Then F it. It's worth it. 
It's a hundred percent worth it. Give me the gray. Give us more great Star Trek. I don't care. Someone please go back and look at last year's show show and tell me if Shane's beard was gray then. Pull it up. I'm pretty sure that Shane has literally gone full white in a period of less than a year. Pull it up. Go ahead. Let's see. What are we looking like? I'm gonna pull this up, man. I, I don't know. I don't I don't really look at it. Dude, it's like as soon as we started talking about uh Picard season three, you just started getting <laughs> grayer and grayer. And it's grayer. been a stressful year, bro. Okay, it's, it's all been I can a very say. stressful year, that's for sure. Um, let me yeah. let me pull it up real quick. Where you? I probably should not be this gray at forty nine, but I'm not. I'm not one hundred percent sure. Damn, we've been we've been doing this for yeah. Oh my god, yeah, we started. We started in two thousand twenty one. So more than a year. Uh, at the end of two thousand twenty one. Anyways, oh yeah, it's okay. Here we go. Here we go. Guys, this was. <laughs> well, I'm curious now. Oh my god, bro! <laughs> well, you don't get a lot of the goatee there, but yeah, you're right. It's uh... yeah, bro, bro. It's almost a full white goatee now. All right. This is what Picard season three has done to you. Has done to me and me yeah. and me. I my hair is ridiculously long now. Jesus. I notice you're not graying. No, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm completely fine. Um, yeah, I don't have any grays whatsoever. <laughs> I'm doing good. Look at That's you, awesome. you poor bastard. Someone send this screenshot to Terry. Someone look at what Picard season three has done to my boy. <laughs> All right, thanks for All that. All right, thumbs up for. Uh, please hit the thumbs up if you love Shane's new gray goatee. That's right. Stacy says, I like the gray, Shane. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Distinguished. All right. That's All right. Thanks. Thanks, Old Yorkshire. That's correct. All right, man. Uh, let's move on here. Ooh, we get to talk get about the, the Last of Us thing. You want to talk about that first or James Gunn, Zachary Levy, anti-Big Pharma thing? Let's talk Last of Us because I think... Uh, I think that's probably bigger news. Well, yeah. I don't know. Well, this is not really a clip, so we did want to address it. We did, we started watching The Last of Us, and you know, it's great. It's a great you show. Should, yeah, you should clip it just in case, anyways. Oh, okay. So we started watching The Last of Us. Uh, I played the game a while back. I wasn't watching the TV show. I was like, you know, most video mm. game adaptions of for TV shows are pretty horrible. Most movie. Uh, video game adaptions are pretty horrible. So I wasn't even going to try. Um, I did sort of like Halo. Like, there's parts where I liked. I didn't understand why everyone was up in arms about Halo. Like, the game Halo has had so many weird storylines. Like, what did you expect them to do in creating this universe? Of course, they're not going to be able to follow the convoluted spaghetti that is the Halo universe. But I can see people's point how they didn't have, you know, certain things weren't introduced and two took his helmet off, whatever, whatever. But I wasn't even going to give The Last of Us a shot because I've been burned so many times by adaptions of video games that I wasn't going to waste my time. Plus, it looked really dark. The little girl, the actress sort of annoys me a little bit. And um, unlike apparently everyone else, Daddy Pedro Pascal is like, I'm not a huge fan of his like everyone else is. I am. I like him. I know. Everyone loves Daddy Pasquale. 
So, I, I, it's not da- not because he's a daddy. It's weird. The daddy, whole daddy word is weird stuff. Is By the way, daddy. I thought. Listen, we're, we're, so we're gonna we're gonna talk with Todd Stashwick next week, right? Right. And we put out that picture when he when came out on the trailer mm-hmm. for uh, for Picard season three. We finally were able to like talk about him, and I put up this picture of him on Twitter. Right. And I don't know which one of you guys it was, but somebody just wrote in giant capital letters. Now that's a daddy in exclamation. <laughs> I have to look this man in the face on Monday, okay? <laughs> and all I'm thinking of is him being some sort of sexualized daddy, okay? He's a daddy. And no, so Pedro Pascal is not in that way to me. No, I is. think he's he, great but, in the Mandalorian. But he is a daddy. He's the definition of a daddy. Okay, I guess I don't get it. What right. is it like? What you explain what a daddy is? It's just a, it's just a handsome older man. Like you're reading too much into oh. it. All okay. right. So um, sounds dirty. I, I wasn't going to watch it. Now Shane goes. Brian, you have to watch this because I want to make a video about it. I'm like, oh, don't do this to me. Don't, do- Shane. I, I forced you. I don't, rarely, I rarely get to force him. Don't do it because I always get to tell him what he should watch. Yes. Yes. So when he says, I need you to watch this, I, got, I sort of have to because he always follows my suggestions with very little hesitancy. He- hesitancy. So, I put it on. Bro. Bro. First episode, absolute fire. One of the best adaption for a TV series I have ever seen. There were so many... There were so many moments... Yeah, I'm sorry. Adaptions of a game. So many moments where I was like, that's from the game! That! That's from the game! Mm. I was doing that thing Leonardo DiCaprio does. Like, yeah, I I recognize that! like, Like, the tourniquet and... Uh, so many parts, even like that, even in the very last episode, that scene with the window is literally the loading screen. It's literally the loading screen of the game. So I'm like blown away. Episode two, blown away. Episode three, it starts. And I'm like, oh, I love Nick Offerman. Like, like no, no, pun, no puns intended here. I would have that man's babies. Okay. Well, you might, you might be able to now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we find out the characters um which was a really cool character super cool and he's like surviving on his own and stuff no spoilers but awesome character i literally told shane it's like ron swanson from parks and recs survived that's what i thought when i first the last of us it's like it's like he literally is playing the his ron swanson <laughs> character even in the very beginning when he's hiding in the basement he's like he's like he's such a libertarian you know and um, and then the the gay stuff goes on. He meets someone. He falls in love. They have sex. It's really uncomfortable to me. Well, before we talk about that, though, before we go into that portion of it, can we just right. talk about the fact that the idea for The Last of Us is so unique? And I think what makes yeah. it work. I and mean, there's tons of zombie stuff out there. There's tons of it. Like, uh, you know, it's just it's kind of like an overplayed trope at this point. But The Last of Us does it differently. Like it's a fungus. It's like a mind control thing. The, the, the zombies are different than you've ever seen before. And the way the dystopian future is there's a government in control. It's a totally different way of looking at, at doing a dystopian future. And I think what makes it interesting is it's usually the world. And I think that has a big part to do with it, but the transition that, um, that Pedro Pascal makes as the main character the, the transition from the character he was because right. it starts out in 2003 
it kind of bounces around in time a little bit. It actually starts right. out in 1960 something, but then it ends up in 2023, which is present time, our, our, our current time. And it starts off in 1963 or whatever with three Stargate alums. I might add. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw the that. three characters on stage are mm-hmm. all Stargate actors. Like when it started, I was like, oh, Shane knows me. Yeah, right yeah. There. Well, that's not why I picked it, but yeah. I know, but it, it was literally three Stargate actors on uh, in, in the same frame. Sorry, go ahead. So so I watched it, and I'm like, oh, this is a really cool idea. And then it went to the future. It bounced around. It did some weird things, and you really didn't know how it worked. Uh, season, episode one, fantastic. Episode two, fantastic. Episode three. Um, and I realized, I'm like, it's not just us. I all of a sudden started to realize this was starting to come into the, the zeitgeist of culture. I got when, when my kids start like texting me, dad, what's the login for HBO max? <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, why, why do you want to watch HBO max? And they're like, you know, and I have adult children. Yeah. They're the, like, I want to watch. Thank you the for last clarifying time. that. Like right, your nine right. year old asking for the HBO max login. They're not going to be watching this. That's for sure. <laughs> but my adult children, of course, if they want to. So, uh, you know, and all of a sudden it's coming up everywhere. And I'm like, okay, now this is going to be a thing. What you need to understand about this is that the guy who wrote the video game, Neil Druckmann, Mm-hmm. also wrote the series. So that's why you're getting all the things you're talking about, about the game being so close, right? right? Which is the way they should always do it. If you have a great game, let them write the darn show or at least get some help if they don't exactly know how to do Dude, it. But the Neil electrical tape tourniquet was, or brace or whatever. I was like, right there, right there. Right, right, right. He, yeah. He, in episode two, him kneeling behind the cabinets and all that was uh-huh. like directly taken from the game. Like that, the game was, is so prevalent but the way it's shot is still like cinematic it's really yes. well done and you're gonna have some spoilers here so i apologize if if you guys uh haven't seen it yet you might want to dip out while we go into some of this because we've no, already no spoiled hard spoilers like well i guess there's gonna be hard spoilers i guess it's gonna be some hard spoilers um but we're, we're not going to review the whole thing we just want to talk a little bit about what's happening here because it's going to keep you on the edge of your seats. There's just a whole lot of things like the, how the how the monetary system works in this after, in this dystopian future, um, how the the relationship with the government and 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 other people, the people who are fighting against, because the government's got these people locked up. Like you don't have a choice; you have to stay in these QZs, right? You right. can't just go out in the world and hang. The, the government doesn't let you do if that. You have COVID; you can't leave your house. It kind of like that, and because if you go out there and you get caught it's not just a matter of like oh well there's another zombie running around the world it creates this network of zombies that can find you like a mile away if you if you touch their little strand they're connected to ones that are a mile away that'll just run right to where you're at it's really freaky and the way you you know the whole these are are not these are not your your daddy-o's zombies these are not your yeah these are new types of yeah and 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 the best part about it is these 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 actually make sense on like a scientific level. These aren't just magic zombie creatures. They make sense. Like the whole thing makes complete sense. This is the definition of science fiction. Yeah, it's, it is science fiction and it's based on actually an actual hype thing. We won't go deep into it, but funguses basically being able to have some mind control. There's like some ants that fungus can have mind control over. We won't go deep into it because maybe there's something in the future about that. But the bottom line is, the show's really being watched well. There's only three episodes. The fourth one comes out this week. But episode three got very, very, got even more visibility. And it really, the show came to the world stage on episode three. 
because there's a bit of a controversy. So if you play the game and Brian's played the game, I have not, but from what I understand from just going deep into this and looking at it, um, there were some subtle hints that uh, the, the character, um, let me get his name to make sure I got it right. Cause there's two, two gentlemen here, the two gay guys. Um, oh, Bill. So Bill uh, is, uh, has a partner in the game, right? Was it Dave? Is that the other guy? I don't remember. Okay. Anyways, I got to find Bill, it. Here. I don't Bill was the important character in the game. Bill was the important character in the game. Well, come to find out, apparently, uh, Bill was gay in the game. So I, it's not overt. And if you're not looking for it, you really may not notice it. But apparently there's a couple of things that happen inside the game that you can find out about. I guess the girl finds some sort of nudie book with a bunch of naked guys in it is one of them. And then he keeps referring to this other guy as his partner. Um, so there's apparently some gay overtones. But see, episode three, they really uncorked that from the game and came full force with with the um, the gay relationship between the two characters. Yeah. And what? Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Yeah. So playing the game, um, I didn't under I didn't know that that the character was gay. Um, I actually thought that they were brothers, the two characters. Oh, yes, that's <laughs> I right. I was referring me. to his brother. So like, and thank you. The name's Frank. Thank you guys for I always, that. in my mind. I was like, oh, these two characters are like me and Shane existing in the afterlife. I mean, the, in the dystopian future um, in <laughs> well, hindsight. And right. actually, I got to tell you now. Now, I love what you just said right there, because that's kind of how it felt. So there's the line is going to be drawn for people who have a really hard time with seeing a gay sex scene on television. OK, um, and so everybody's going to have a different reaction to it. So I just want to be real honest here. I want to you know, be real just honest. You guys know, though, there is a button that will just skip 10 seconds. So like if you don't if you don't want to watch what? there's a button on your remote that can skip 10 seconds and on streaming services oh, of course you can just forward fast forward 10 seconds past the gay gay sex you know I, well even if yeah so let's but be beyond that okay so everybody has their own opinion there's there's still a societal judgment um on 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 homosexuality uh whether you're a devout religious person you got religions that say that say it's bad you've got all kinds of different things. I'll tell you from my purview, okay, what I've, I've known a lot of gay people. And um, so it's, it's, it's a normal part of society from my opinion, from my place. That said, um, it's kind of uncomfortable to see a sex scene with two big bearded guys, right. uh, belly hey, to belly. Hairy bearded guys. <laughs> for the, exactly the same reason Brian just said. So when you watch a love scene, from whatever perspective you are, if you're a straight man or if you're a gay man or a straight girl, gay, whatever your persuasion is, when you watch a sex scene, if I'm watching it between a man and a woman, then I might see it as potentially sexual or right. it might be romantic to me. Then I, and I, and I'm kind of engaged and it doesn't, it seems normal, natural. And, and I'm kind of like, okay, cool. Okay. Right. I, I don't want to be a prude but, here, but even when my kids aren't watching, no matter what, whenever there's a sex scene in the movie or TV, and this is weird, maybe this is just me, I usually hit that 10 seconds forward mark. Oh, well, I, I mean, I don't. So, I mean, it depends. It's like, not me being a prude. It's just like, oh, this has no bearing on the story for me. 
All right. Well, let me let me. So and I don't want my wife to here. walk in and see me like watching some like black swan sex scene. I'm like, ah, it's not what now you think. Now that's a better reason. That'll get you in trouble. Think. That's a better reason. But wait, you totally I like took story. me out. Of, Sorry, go ahead. You totally took me out of my line. This I is really important what I'm saying here. Okay, really important because I think a lot of people. So some people are going to watch this, and if you're maybe a straight dude, you're going to watch it and go and feel uncomfortable. You're going to watch it. You're going to see these two bearded guys under the sheets, you know, being very, very intimate as you would any couple who really like each other. Yep, beard to beard. And you're going to feel awkward probably. Now, there there are some gay people who are going to say that that means you're homophobic. Okay? No. And now here's what I'll say. If you're gay and you say that, you don't really know because you're, you're gay. So that's what you think. You know, you think of that. You don't know what it feels like to not be heterosexual you know to be heterosexual so you don't understand the feeling let me describe it to you brian just did imagine me and brian having sex together that is see how disgusting that sounds now because we're brothers (laughs) that's off the table just beard to beard full belly contact right (laughs) right that's off the table then i look at shannon go i want you to know i'm not a whore (laughs) (laughs) okay stop stop because you're right now listen Okay, but here's the deal. I don't want to know about my parents having sex. Listen, I don't want to know about my parents having sex. Right, it makes right. me, it's gross. I don't want to hear about my siblings. I don't want to hear about my kids. It's not, it's not, it's gross, okay? <laughs> the idea yeah. of having sex with another man to me is gross because I'm heterosexual. Right. So what I'm trying to say is it's okay to feel that way and not be homophobic, okay? I I like gay people just same as I like regular people or not gay people or non-gay people. I guess it sounded terrible the way I said that. But what I'm trying to say is there's no difference when I'm talking to somebody on what their sexuality is. I told, I told Shane, there was like doing this story is like a lose, lose for us. But I, I, I get it. But I wanted to listen. I wanted to have an honest moment here because I think there's a, there's a big misunderstanding that I think that when, People complain about a, a gay sex scene, a gay scene in a movie. They're like, well, that means they're homophobic. I don't think that's necessarily the case always. Maybe sometimes, but I think sometimes it's just a matter of that is not attractive to me and it's uncomfortable and therefore I don't want to watch it. Okay. <laughs> so now that said, right. if you get through that scene, you start to see this relationship develop. Okay. And all of a sudden you're like recognize right this relationship the same as you would any two people who care about each other yes it grows into something that's actually quite beautiful right and by the end of the episode you have you know you're 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 generally your discomfort in the beginning goes away and then it's just becomes this kind of really sad story happy yet sad. It's kind of complicated, but it really resulted in what I think is probably one of the best episodes of TV I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I have one major criticism though. Criticism. And someone said this earlier. We did not get, we got, they killed this. That's basically killing off Bill. Uh, You know, we got his kid. We got his story. That's true. That's true. And they basically killed him off. We didn't get his interactions with Ellie. We didn't get, we we could have gotten more of that character. Right. But they showed his they showed us his beginning to end all in one shot. That's it not was really, one episode. Yeah, that's not right. That's that sucked, and and and, and that yeah. and, it, and it was definitely counter to what the game is. I'm not gonna be like 
some purist to the game be like, that's not in the game. But it was a beautiful episode. It was great. Nick Offerman deserves an award. The gay oh, sex he, his acting was incredible. The, yeah. gay, the gay sex definitely didn't, you know, it, it definitely made me uncomfortable. But I was still able to enjoy the episode. My biggest criticism is not uh, the gay stuff um, and changing the character or not. It's more so that they, I felt like you have this awesome character that you can, no, you can now no longer utilize. And we, we didn't get to see Bill and Ellie's dialogue together. That's a good point. Um, and I think they're going to plan on moving on with those characters. And the reason why Bill may not stick around, you know, Bill may not be critical to the storyline is because I think they're going to keep moving past what Bill can offer the story. Right. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't go with them. Um, but what I, what I, I think what's important that we need to say here is that there are some people out there who are going to say that the real problem with this isn't the fact that there's gay characters in it, but that it was used as a, an opportunity to push an agenda. So I think that's kind of what the big complaint will be is like, well, wait a second. The characters weren't this gay in the in the story. You could barely tell. Why are we pushing this agenda forward? And that's a really fair question. Now, it's possible, very possible that that's exactly what happened here, that there was an opportunity to show a gay couple in a situation. No, oh, I just lost Shane. Or was it me? Did you lose me? <laughs> I don't know. You guys talk. See if you can. I can still see hear you. Um, while Shane is fixing his internet, we do have a super chat from Joe Cronin. Let's get Braga and Berman and Terry to work together on a Star Trek The Next Generation. The new generation. Yeah, that'd be great. I think Braga and Berman, uh, or at least definitely Berman. I see you, Shane. I see you, bro. I see you there. You don't gotta call me. Can you hear me, buddy? Can you hear me? Yeah, let me fix this with Shane real quick. Well, anyways, I can't see it. If we're still here, I'm just going to keep talking. Yeah, we're still here, bud. How can he not see it? All right. Chang? We're still here. And he's just calling me over. Am I back? Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me, bro? All right. Let me call Shane real quick. This is embarrassing. Um, the thing about Brandon uh, Berman, Berman doesn't want to do any more Star Trek. He was uh, he was done after Enterprise. I think he left it like Enterprise season two, and <clears throat> another guy took over. Okay, thanks. Um, another guy took over for the last season of that, and that's why that last season was so damn good because it was this this really hyper virile really passionate guy that was heading up enterprise and it still got canceled because at the time Les Moonves basically hated Star Trek. Can you hear me, bro? Yeah. So I got to tell you guys, I thought that, um, I thought that the, the stream got pulled down because of what we were talking about <laughs> because everything went blank for me. My computer didn't freeze, but I got dropped from it. I was actually worried about that for a second too, but I checked. Yeah, like, so it wasn't good. that. It was just my stuff. Okay. Yes, Manny Cotto. Thank you. Manny Cotto took over at last. And so I don't think, I don't think Ber Berman and Braga are getting back together for that, guys. But you know what? A Manny Cotto, Terry Metallis crossover, uh, you know, team up will be great. But I can say something about Braga that I think is important because a lot of people took a big poop on, on um, not Braga, on uh, Berman, Berman era Star Trek. 
Star Trek needs a Berman. Right. That's what they need right now. Berman held on to Gene's vision as much as possible. They need Star Trek needs someone like that. So that's kind of the we were talking about executives earlier. That's what's missing from Star Trek right now. Yeah, it's missing. Yeah, it's it's you know, I hate I hate to use Kevin Feige as a verb, but it's missing a Kevin Feige. When you make billions of dollars and the fans happy. Yeah, you know, during phase three, absolutely. Yeah, during phase three. Yeah, I like how you throw that disclaimer <laughs> in there because it's not it's not great right now. So, what was I in the middle of saying when I came down? Because I you, thought it was important. You were saying that um, it's okay to be uncomfortable uh, with it, but like you know, rage hating it just oh, because the, it was the agendas. Yeah. So right. there, there might be an agenda. I mean, there is obviously a Hollywood agenda to incorporate to to normalize, um, you know, the the everything. Let's just say everything to normalize things that are, they're outliers, like, like being like the LGBTQ community. The reality is, is that, you know, between five and 8% of the, of the population is, uh, identifies as that. And so there is a, you know, that is a, a small race group number, honestly. I mean, I think African-Americans are like eight to 10% of the, of, you know, of the American, um, census of the population. And so when you start to think about that, then this is a, these are a group of people who want to, you know, be more engaged. And I think because the video game had Bill as a gay character, I think that the same guy who wrote the game wrote the show, Yeah, decided to take this opportunity to do it. So I think they're, they may be right. There probably is an agenda here to do it. And I think that you're going to probably see more of this in Hollywood. Uh, but in reality, the episode was done so well that uh, at least for me, it's, when it was over, I thought I just saw an incredible episode of television. So yeah, it was like a little movie. Yeah. The, the, here's the thing. Um, there is an agenda and there is a valid complaint here too, about you have like the LGBT outliers, as Shane's referring to do make up, you know, four to 5%, right? Um, a lot of these people talk about equal, equal representation in these TV shows and movies. But then they flood them with, you know, 4% of the population. So which, yeah. Now, like if we have a bunch of more gay characters in the show, then it's going to feel wrong to me. Right. And, and because and that, we've discovery yeah. did that where it was like yes. 97% of the entire cast was, you know, was LGBT. And like that don't make no sense. So right now it doesn't feel like an agenda because it's it's been one one couple. Now, if it continues everywhere they go, that everybody's got a partner, then obviously, okay, now we're right. going to raise the right. BS flag and we're going to be like, okay, now you've, yeah, you've given right. up storytelling for your right. agenda. This show hasn't given up the, the storytelling for their agenda so far. And so we'll have to wait and see what comes in future episodes. I, and I agree. Yeah. And the, yeah, the thing for us, the story is when it comes to telling us, I'm sorry, I, maybe this is a controversial take when it comes to telling a story. That is the most important thing. Yeah, the yes. The story is the most important so, thing. Your your agenda, your ideas, your like not as important. What you want people to believe, your political beliefs, not important. 100%. The most important thing is doing exactly what the point of your job is is to tell a story. And so far they're doing great. I liked it. Yeah. Um super chat here from the Joe Cronin show. Uh, hire me, Terry. I am ready. Yeah. Right. Right, Joe. Right. Dude. Uh, Joe is another person we should consider putting on our Picard panel at some point in a few months. 
All right. Yeah. Stay in touch with us, Joe. Hit us up on Twitter. We'll uh, we'll try to get you on yeah. board. Tweet I'll, tweet us. Slide into our DMs. So uh, Mike Madrelli gave us a three dollars. Is this a super sticker? It's is a super thing? sticker. That's a oh. new thing, right? I, I saw uh, last week there was a super sticker too. We have not seen many of these things. I think we just got that approved. So thank you, Mike. Appreciate the super sticker. That's fantastic. And the sticker is um I don't know what this is. What is this thing? Is it a pear? I don't know, but it's given some love. It's a so pear, it's and I about. think it's I think it's doing something sexual to Shane right there. No, know. it's just giving some love, dude. Okay. It's All giving right. a kiss or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just saying, hey, thank you. I love you. I love you too. We love you too, Mike. Stop messing with me, Brian. Yeah, Josh Temple said, but they had rep rep with Ellie and they took Bill and made it about stuff not in the game. And they killed the character that's still living. Why would they? Yeah. Yes. And that's, I had the same problem, Josh. Yeah. Those are, those are some of the issues, yeah. but Bill, got Bill should still be alive. And they did miss a massive opportunity to, ha- to have Bill and Ellie interact. Um, again, which Bill, is crucial because, and I haven't played the game, so forgive me, but why is it crucial that Bill and Ellie interact? Some of the most heartwarming stuff in the, in the game. It's like, it really evolves the character of Ellie. So mm. Ellie right now is sort of a wet blanket, right? Like we right. we need her to be uh, evolved. Um, we need her her character to be you know sussed out and 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 added onto. Bill is a huge part of that in the game. Is Joel going to play that role? Is he going to be more I mean, of who the? Who else can at this it, point? It looks like that's where it's going, right? And and it makes sense, especially because of his daughter in the beginning. Like he lost hope. You know, he's, he kind of lost what he had, uh, when he lost his daughter and now he's become a different person. So maybe they're going to help build each other up. Maybe that's the point. Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, Joel's character didn't require anyone else like his, cause you are, you were looking at him through the game. Um, he was you, you were, you were experiencing his, you know, um, okay. That's a really good point because now Joel is not us. Joel is a well, character that has in the to beginning. Be yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So eventually it becomes like a, you're helping like the two characters help each other in the game. It's really hard to explain. Actually, the game is not like a typical shooter or whatever. It's like, it's definitely unique to its credit, but bill is a big part of that. Bill is a really a great part of the game. And it, do, it really does suck that we, we get, I guess we, I guess I can say, well, at least we got this one episode. Because Bill was a badass, dude. Yeah. yeah, and it was a great episode. But he, it would have been interesting if he would have survived. I, I am disappointed that that he didn't survive at the end of this. I mean, I get like, I got nothing to live for. I can get that love and that feeling for somebody that you care about. I mean, you know, I would be a mess if I, you know, if I lost my wife, you know. Um, I also but, think they should have invited more people to stay at their compound. I, well, I'll tell you, I think that the show probably would have been richer if you take Bill's, um, if you take his grief into the show, into future episodes, and if mm-hmm. he becomes part of a party right. that continues on. So I think they probably missed an opportunity, even as great as the episode was, I think they missed an opportunity to grow the shows and grow the show emotionally by having his now experience in life and actually, you know, carrying that through with the other characters. So you're probably right. It's a missed opportunity. It's like, you know, you can't have both things. So, That's, yeah, I get that. Uh, Super chat from Joe Kern. Thank you, Joe. I'm banned on Twitter, but I'll make a dummy one and reach out. <laughs> My 36,000 followers are dead. Yeah, no, yeah, hit us, man. Or hit the email we put in the, in the early in the earlier in the 
in the video in the stream. Yeah, or you can see it on our YouTube page if you if you yeah, click you can go on to the about YouTube it. page, go to contact, you'll see it too. It gives it, yeah. And somehow get a hold of us. All right. All right, that's it about this. Let us know what you guys think about this in the comment section. All right, I didn't expect us to talk about that that long. That was interesting. I thought it was, see what I was saying? I knew that was going to be good. Was it worth it? Do you think we, you know, lose, lose, or did we win on that one? I don't think we win. <laughs> I don't think, no, I, I think, I think people appreciate the honest perspective. I mean, people appreciate the honest perspective, but there's also insane people out there that are going to be like, they're homophobic. I ain't afraid of or I ain't afraid racist of or sexist or I ain't afraid of insane people. I mean, that's I guess it. the same insane people can just look at me and look at you and be like, that's a white guy. He's evil. <laughs> <laughs> right off the Obviously, bat. I'm already evil. He's yeah. clearly an evil white man. <laughs> that's why I uh, identify as a non-binary member of the Latinx community. I didn't get all that, but okay, go ahead. Yeah. A non-binary member yeah. of the Latinx community, uh, which what means is Latinx? I am untouchable. What is Latinx? It's a stupid way of saying Latino. Oh, why is what? Where did the X come from? I don't know. I don't know why people do this. <laughs> and as someone who is part of the Latin culture to a degree, my wife is Hispanic. All my friends are. Every time I ask them, all the time, how do you guys feel about this Latinx thing? They're like, it's stupid. We don't understand it. In fact. If anything, it's trying to lump every Latin culture into one group, which is right. even more offensive. It's like, yeah. imagine if you said you're Asian X and every person that looks Asian mm. is part of the Asian community. Japanese, Chinese, Mongolian, mm. Vietnamese, Korean. No, no. We're, we're going to strip away your unique identifier and we're going to make you, we're going to put you in one giant pile. When you say Latin X, you are basically taking oh, every yeah. Latin country, Portugal, That's Spain, BS. Brazil, Mexico, Guatemala. You take take all the Why Latin countries. Why would you countries. say Latin? Why do you got to say Latin X? Like, I just I, say Latin. I don't know. Yeah, I don't all know right. why they say that. It's, it's taking every one of those unique things and it's putting them in one umbrella. And they think, it's, they think that is progressive. No, hmm. that's regressive, dude. It's regressive. Uh -huh. So stop doing it. I agree with that. <clears throat> or right, do what you next? want. I don't care. I'm not your boss. <laughs> or do whatever the hell you want. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> We're kind of more on that side, to be honest with you. Yeah. I just think it's dumb. Like, I'm not going to like try to cancel you over it, but it's dumb. All right, man. Um, We're going to talk about, uh, Ooh, this is going to be fun. If we weren't canceled last, uh, last clip, we might get canceled this one. And Shane just left. <laughs> Shane was like, I don't want any of these problems. I'm just, I'm just going to split. <laughs> Shane's fixing his computer or something. Um, <laughs> second I ever going to cancel these splits. All right, let's talk about what we're going to be talking about while he's fixing his stuff. Um, we're going to talk about the Zachary Levy anti-vax stuff uh people are definitely equating zachary levy to anti-vax that's not what he said um and even even if he were who cares but we're gonna be talking about that because james gunn actually responds to the zachary levy controversy and there's an interesting thing that james says that i agree with and we want to talk about some of the horrible garbage people that have been tweeting zachary levy 
about his stance on Big Pharma. Um, after that, we're going to be talking about the James Gunn DCU announcement, a lot of DCU stuff for the next two topics, and then Strange New Worlds, Quantum Leap, and Ezra Miller. So let me just get Shane on the horn real quick and see if he's okay. I think Shane got canceled in real time. <clears throat> Shane, have you been canceled? Did they cancel you? <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, just split. All right. All right, we'll wait for him for a few minutes, and then we'll move on if he doesn't show up. Yeah, who would have thought everyone would go from questioning government to backing big pharmaceutical companies? Yeah. We're, it's very odd. White knighting for uh, the the billion-dollar pharma, big pharma. Don't get it. I do not understand it. We are good. We are definitely going to... Um, yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, my wife was so pissed because I was like, at like 3 in the morning, I was like screaming. I don't know if you recall that. I was making so much noise at like three or four in the morning and people <laughs> were waking up, but they were cool enough not to come into my little studio. But right afterwards, I got yelled at. <laughs> Literally right, right afterwards. Welcome back, Shane. Can't catch a break today, man. Cannot catch a break. I got somebody moved the darn internet. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. It was it was right after I said, like, if that didn't cancel us, this will. You just noped out. Uh, it's cr driving me crazy. I keep thinking our stream's going to get brought down. It's happened in the past. So, you know. <laughs> Dude, Mike Marner, I said, nope. Chance like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. So where are we at? What are we talking about? Yeah, and Jeremy, you're right. If you, if you didn't play Halo, you're probably going to like the show more. And I do believe that they did a really good job in the beginning of the show and toward the end, it got messy. But if we're being fair, that sounds exactly like what the games do. Because the game storylines are all over the place. Like, oh, really cool premise. Oh, Halo alien, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then like, oh, what's still happening? Oh, that, what? Storylines all over the place. So, I mean, they're, they're pretty much uh, mimicking the game in that regard. After this, you're uninvited to the Trek premiere. <laughs> I'm sure it's possible. It's possible. All right, man. I mean, if 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 giving an honest take gets you in trouble, then uh, and and you're being kind of reasonable, then I don't know what to tell you. Then we've are, we've lost hope for civilization. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm pulling up the Zachary Levy thing real quick because I really want to talk about this. Oh, well, something else to get us in trouble. Yeah, something else, guys, cancel. <laughs> <laughs> and and I also get I, I man I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Grace Grace Randolph the business this, this time. Oh, all right. Well, uh, she deserves it sometimes. Yeah, hold on for this one, boys, because uh, oh, Grace bothers me so much. Oh. Oh. all right. Let me just pull this up. All right, here we go. Okay, so we are talking about Zachary Levy, uh, the actor that plays Shazam in the upcoming Shazam 2 movie as a big part of DC, the DCU. 
Shane and I both enjoyed the first Shazam movie very much so. And I have been a Zachary Levy fan since the TV show Chuck. I think he was possibly the perfect casting for Shazam and uh, really enjoyed everything he did. Now, on that note, recently he tweeted. And uh, a lot of the times when actors tweet, it's not going to go well, right? <laughs> Except for he didn't tweet a political rant or some kind of hate thing about some other people he doesn't agree with. No. Someone said, do you agree or not that Pfizer is a real danger to the world? Pfizer being the pharmaceutical company, Pfizer. The trillion dollar pharmaceutical company, Pfizer. Zachary Levy said, hardcore agree. <clears throat> is that a weird stance? Is that a contra- is that a controversial stance to take? That you think that Pfizer, the trillion dollar pharmaceutical company, is probably a negative thing, is a danger on the on the planet? Is that a well in this climate, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, when you say, I mean, Pfizer is synonymous synonymous with what? COVID right. inoculations. That's yeah. it. So people lost their minds. Right. I love this. Uh, you are not as talented as Letitia Wright for me to move past this. No wonder The Rock didn't think you're... All right. So first off, um, I, I we actually tweeted. <laughs> I tweeted this. I will protect thee, my lady. Why are you white knighting for Pfizer? I, are, are we at... Who is that? Somebody just get criticizing him for agreeing that Pfizer is a problem. Why are people white knighting... For the trillion dollar company, pharmaceutical company. Well, they're not. Company. They're not. They're not white knighting for the pharmaceutical company. They're white knighting for for vaccines. So, of course, vaccines and, and anti-vax has become a political thing. So if you're on the left, you're for vaccines. And if you're on the right, apparently you're not for vaccines. At least that's the way it's been delineated. Now, that's 100% not true in any way, shape or form. I think people on both sides can have feelings about both. But um, but it's been delineated that way. So anytime you have somebody who talks out against Pfizer or or uh, vac- vaccines, then you have these group of people generally on, I believe, on the left who come out hard against it because it's a political thing. It has nothing to do with societal. I mean, frankly speaking, like, what do you think the big concern is if, if somebody doesn't get vaccinated? First They're off, going to give it Zachary to other people, Levy, right? Zachary Levy didn't say a thing about vaccines. I understand. And I get what you're saying. And that's been the point that's brought about about this the whole time. But we know on a deeper level why they're saying the things they're saying. We know why they're saying it. Because right. they automatically assume that if you're anti-Pfizer or anti-COVID shots, which that's not what he's saying, but he is saying anti-Pfizer, then you right. must be anti-vaccination. Okay, the the multi-billion-dollar companies that have made their nut by addicting people, generally addicting people, to a plethora of medications, not to cure them, but to keep them. I don't want to get well, weird here. That's not fair. I mean, I would. I mean, that. I mean, look look at the the opium uh, epidemic. How much money did they make, bro? On no, I'm not saying they're not Oxycontin. making a ton of money off of it. I'm not, but I'm saying. I mean, they also had the biggest 
the biggest lawsuit in history, even more than Alex Jones was awarded right. for mislabel mislabeling advertisements to people and getting people addicted to drugs. There's a whole lot of bad things, but you cannot come out and say the reason they're doing it is to get people addicted to drugs. I don't think I think that's a that's a overzealous statement. You can say there's lots of things that right. that they okay. can be guilty of, but that's very specific I'm, and I don't think we should say Sure. That. I'll say the reason they're in business is to make money. Yes. And the easiest way to make money is to sell oxycodone. No, that's not it. So there's a lots of drugs that people need all the time. Okay. So sure. there's, there's, there's life-saving drugs. Listen, if you're, if you have a uh, high blood pressure, you have to take a drug for the rest of your life every day. Yeah. That's why drug companies make so much money. I don't want to, I want to stay out of the oxycotton business. Well, okay? exactly. so let's, let's talk about cancer meds then. Uh, his, yeah, his Zachary Levy's father died five days ago of cancer. Five days ago, his biological father died of cancer. Okay. These trash people on Twitter yelling at him in his in his tweet where he's where he where he says farewell to his father yelling at him about being anti-vax and oh being, it's ridiculous yeah is insane it's yeah, insane and grace randolph taking the side of these insane people and saying well he won't be dc's problem anymore calling him an evangelist and just pushing him as far right as possible so she, so she can attack him is also insane and it's and it's not it's disingenuous and it's wrong this guy simply said big pharma is probably bad and and, uh, and big pharma is bad after his father died of cancer how, how many years was he probably on cancer well, meds but that's not the point i mean well a lot of those medicines save life so we can't say it's the medicine okay it's it's how much they charge for the medicine that's the problem it's what insurance companies are. I mean, if you want to talk about the truth of the matter, it's not the medicine that's the problem. No. It's how much they charge for it. Absolutely. And they charge as much as they humanly possibly can. And it's not fair for people who can't afford it. That's right. the bull, bull crap part of this. Yeah. Diabetes, insulin injections that cost 33 cents should not cost $133. Exactly. That's the problem. That is insane. And, and you know what? How about this? How about every medication you have, the second it falls into the public domain and there's a generic option available, you make a tweak to it in order to keep it out of that generic uh, place. A little, just a little tweak. You know what? We're going to make this extended uh, release now so, so, it, so it can still be our patent forever. I mean, right. oh, it's so dirty. So no, so no, no regular person who's working for a living or living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, who struggles to pay for medicines uh, should be on the side of big pharma making more money. Yeah. And so what Zachary uh, Levy said here, which is, you know, the guy's got money, you know what I'm saying? So it's not like he's got to worry about how much his medicine's going to cost Right. for him to come out and say these things. There are a lot of things that Pfizer has done that is bad. Yeah. And including lying include, and they've been caught. And, you know, if you watch meet Kevin, he's, he's gone deep into it uh, recently with a lot of stuff going on. Um, he really gives great breakdowns of that, but they've done a lot of shady crap. And so uh, I mean, do they bring medicines that the world needs? Yes. Do we need these medicines? Absolutely. Uh, are they shady about how they probably market it and how they do it? Absolutely. But we don't know if Zachary was talking about, if that and what his statement included vaccinations for COVID, I'm guessing, or vaccinations in general, 
We don't know if right. that's what his point, we don't know what he meant in that statement completely, but we can say there are some shady things. Uh, and if you are anti-vax, then I guess you might also say something like that. So, I mean, we don't know the truth of what he said. He didn't come out and say, that's not what I was talking about. So it's possible that he meant that, but we do know there's very few things good about big pharma other than the fact that they do provide medicines that we need. There's bigger problems than whether people want to take a vaccination or don't want to take a vaccination. And that's what it costs to get the medicine, the life-saving medicine that people need. Yeah. So. A va a va yeah. A vaccine, I might add that they were handsomely paid for. They're not, they're not, they're not saviors here. Okay. They were handsomely yeah. paid for. I'm sorry. One second. They handsomely paid. He's right. So they're making tons of money off of us. You know, the government, uh, it's something that probably should be regulated here in the United States. You know, other countries do that a lot better. But as we know, the U.S. medical system isn't fantastic anyways. But, I apologize. you know, it's fine. Um, if, yeah, they were, if, they, were, they were handsomely paid for all those vaccines. They made a trillion dollars right. off vaccines. So come on. They're not they're not they're not saviors. They didn't save the human race here, guys. But yeah, but this argument is really about vaccination versus anti-vax. And that's a political thing. And that's why people are saying the things that they're saying. And unfortunately, when you allow the entire planet to all speak at the same time, a percentage of those people are idiotically going to say stupid things like they said on Twitter, you know, attacking him for a stance that they're not even sure that he that he has, frankly speaking. Right. Including Grace Randolph. Including Grace Randolph. Thank you for that segue, Shane. I was yeah. losing. I was losing it for a second. Yes, Grace Randolph. Um, saying that uh, first off, she said that she he's no longer DC's problem. So she's insinuating that that he's going to be he's going to be out of, of DC. Um, just to reiterate here, just because sometimes Grace Randolph is correct doesn't mean that she's always correct. Let's be clear. And she says a lot of things every single day, and more than half those things are completely false and don't never actually come to fruition. So if she says something, don't just be like, oh, well, she's an insider. She knows what she's talking about. Um, and her her jab at him, calling him an evangelist and being like Chris Pratt, but even worse, insinuating that if 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 he is religious, that, that it's a problem. Yeah, her, her politics are showing, bro. That's Shut all. Shut up, Grace. I mean, Shut up and get a better mic. <laughs> Jesus. Listen, we all try our, you know, we try our best not to let our politics show. Um, and she's just not doing a very good job of it. Right. It's pretty bad. You're not a political channel, Grace. You're a you're an entertainment entertainment channel. channel. So. so shut up. All right. Um, but James Gunn did respond to mm. this silly controversial mm. controversial thing that said Big Pharma's bad, and this is what he said. This is great, and we're gonna end it here. When they asked him to clarify about Shazam, because people were calling for Zachary Levy to be fired. And blah blah blah, yada, yada yada, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he was like, "Listen, actors and filmmakers that I work with are going to say things that I agree with and things I don't agree with. That's going to happen. I don't have a list of things that someone should say because of what I think. And you know, I can't be changing my plans all the time because an actor says something that I don't agree with. By the same token, if somebody doing something morally reprehensible." That's a different story. We have to take all this stuff into account. It's a balance. It's a modern world in a different place. And you know what? Someone who they tried to, people tried to cancel for, for bad, for naughty jokes. He would understand how much of a silly thing it would be 
to fire someone or remove someone because of a a, a political or or even religious stance. Of course. So I'm glad that James Gunn said this. Completely dispelled all the people out there trying to get a a, a trending hashtag for fire Zachary Levy going. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, he and he has a great statement there. It's very middle of the road. It's it's honest, but the reality is, is like James said, I'm not going to let somebody's opinion derail my decision making. N- neither should any of you allow someone else's opinion to derail yourself. Don't let people make you upset by their takes. Don't let it change your chemical balance in your body and to become unbalanced and to ruin your day. You know, be your own individual. And if people say things that you don't agree with, uh, you know, remember, it's supposed to be a free world. So let's let people say what they want to say and agree, disagree and move on. Yeah. And we're going to wrap this up. I want to tell Zachary Levy, you're never going to see this man, but um, uh, I'm sorry for your loss. And, you know, I hope that you're that hope that you guys can take it. Take it. Okay. And I, and I, I know your father's probably in a better place because cancer sucks. Amen. Cancer sucks. Cancer sucks. F cancer, bro. Okay, moving on. All right, let's let's talk about something more positive. I feel like we've been just bringing down the the rain today. What else we got? It's your fault. Oh, I'll take it. Um. Oh, how about the complete guide to all of DC? Yeah. So they finally came out with that stuff. That's cool. Yeah. So we know what's going happening going forward. Okay. All right. This is sort of positive until we get to the Superman part that I'm going to scream probably. But here we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we were talking about the DCU announcement. James Gunn got on Twitter, on video, and broke down the first chapter of the new DCU slate. And for all the folks out there saying, it's a hard reboot, you were wrong. And for all the people saying, he's keeping the Snyder Cut, you were wrong. Everyone was wrong. Mm. Um, it's a, at best, a soft review reboot. He's keeping a lot of characters. He's utilizing the story to sort of do what James Gunn does and make his own weird sort of eclectic universe. And I got to tell you, however this pans out, it might not be where I would have done with DC, but I know it's going to be very interesting. So we're going to, we're going to watch this little thing and then we're going to, we're going to break down all the different characters or the different uh, projects they're working on. Hey everybody, I'm James Gunn. I'm the co-CEO of DC Studios. So as many of you know, DC has been disconnected in film and television for a long time. And it's one of, you know, our jobs, mine and Peter's, is to come in and make sure the DCU is connected in film, television, gaming, and animation. That the characters are consistent, played by the same actors, and it works within one story. And if something is outside of that, like Matt Reeves' Batman or Todd Phillips' Joker or Teen Titans Go, that it is clearly labeled as DC Elseworlds, outside of the mainstream DCU continuity. Now, Peter and I have gotten pretty lucky in terms of the four projects that are coming out over the next year. First, we have Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Shazam! has always been off kind of in his own part of the DCU, so he connects very well. That moves directly into The Flash, a fantastic movie that I really love that resets the entire DC universe. Then to move into Blue Beetle, a fantastic film about a kid who's a marvelous part of the DCU, and then into Aquaman 2, which leads directly into our next few projects, which I'm gonna tell you about now. 
So Peter and I, along with a group of very talented writers, have started to map out an eight to 10 year plan of what DC Studios will be in film, television, and gaming. This first chapter is called Gods and Monsters. Now this, what I'm about to tell you, is a part of the first chapter. It's not the entire first chapter. The first project is Creature Commandos. Creature Commandos is an animated series. I've written all the episodes. Something we're gonna do that's a little bit different at DC is we're gonna have characters move into animation, out of animation, usually having the same actor play their voice as who plays them in live action. The next project up is Waller. This is a story of Amanda Waller played by Viola Davis. Viola Davis is gonna team up with members of Team Peacemaker, and this is a story that's been created by Crystal Henry, who did Watchmen, and Jeremy Carver, who created the Doom Patrol. It is a fantastic story that's out of this world, and I can't wait for people to see it. Okay, next up is the big one, the true beginning of the DCU. This is called Superman Legacy. This is being written by me. I'm in the middle of it. I'm having a great time doing it. And Superman will be released into theaters July 11th, 2025. Okay, the next thing is a big premiere HBO television series called Lanterns. This is a story of a couple of Green Lanterns, Jon Stewart and Hal Jordan. And we have a few other lanterns peppered in there. But this is really a terrestrial-based TV show, which is almost like True Detective with a couple of Green Lanterns who are space cops watching over precinct Earth. In it, they discover a terrifying mystery that ties into our larger story of the DCU. Next is a big movie called The Authority. The Authority is a passion project of mine. It's based on the marvelous Wildstorm characters. We are now bringing into the DCU and will interact with all of our primary DCU characters. The Authority are a group of superheroes who think the world is broken and they want to fix it by any means necessary. I think it's a very different look at superheroes. We're doing a television series called Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost is the story of Paradise Island, usually known as Themyscira, which is the birthplace of Wonder Woman. It's almost like Game of Thrones with Westeros, but with all of the inhabitants of Paradise Island. The introduction of the DCU's Batman is the brave and the bold. The brave and the bold is the story of Batman and his actual son, Damian Wayne. This is based on Grant Morrison's great comic book run. Damian Wayne is my favorite Robin. He's a little assassin who Batman tries to get in line. And so this is the story of the two of them and the beginning of sort of the Bat family in the DCU. Next up is a TV series called Booster Gold. Booster Gold is one of comics really popular cult heroes. He is a fascinating guy. He's a loser from the future who uses future technology to come back to present day and become a superhero so that people will love him. It is basically the superhero story of imposter syndrome on an HBO Max series. One of my favorite comic book series from last year was Tom King's run on Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. And so we're gonna turn that into a big science fiction epic film. Now, Superman is a guy who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents. Whereas Supergirl, in this story, she is a character who was raised on a chunk of Krypton. She watched everybody around her perish in some terrible way. So she's a much more jaded character. And that brings me to Swamp Thing, the last thing we're gonna talk about, a very dark horror story in the origins of the monster who is Swamp Thing. And although it's totally outside of the rest of the DCU, it will still feed into the rest of the stories. Anyway, those are the stories that I can tell you about right now. I've loved the DC characters.
Okay. <clears throat> All right, real good stuff. Um, and we're going to quickly go through these things. Um, I do like the fact that he has picked up writers for this new chapter. Uh, we have writer of the Martian, Drew Goddard, um, Moon Knight and Doom Patrol, Jeremy Slater, the flash and Batgirl scribe, Christina Hobson, Watchmen's crystal Henry and comics writer, Don King. Aside from Watchmen, all those and Batgirl, I suppose all of them are pretty good. Yeah. Well, I, I think we got, uh, you need to take into effect here that this is not just movies. So he's dealing with movies and television, right? So streaming and movies, it's all going to be one world. And this is the first time I've seen this like this, where they're going to utilize the same characters in live action movies that they're going to use that do the voices for animation. Yeah, it's real rad. And that's different. Which means that when they cast them, they have to cast them with just with the note in mind that they might end up being a live action thing. Exactly. So it's it's going to be interesting casting. You're going to end up with higher profile people uh, doing the voices for the animation than you would normally have in animation. Which would make the animation also cost more. And be more interesting. But be more interesting, right. All right, yeah. so we start off this slate, um, or I started off, with Superman Legacy. Um, I hate this very much, um, but, you know, it's what he wants to do. Um, I hate the fact that we're going to go back to him going to, um, you know, him starting off working at the Daily Planet and meeting Lois for the first time and all that stuff. I don't care about any of that. Um, I just hope that this is a stepping stone to us finally getting a continuation of Superman's story. Because it seems like every time we get a Superman movie, it it's him starting at the Daily Planet, meeting Lois Lane. Okay, we get it. Hopefully, well, no, that's not true. That's I mean, that's not. Well, fair. what what movie? Name a movie that did that continued his story. I'm just saying they don't all start at the Daily Planet. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. Most of them start when he's young. Yeah. And then end of the Daily Planet. Either way, I'm tired of only getting this block of his life. Can we can we get the, the later the later blocks where he's battling Brainiac and just doing this awesome badass things that Superman does? Like I don't understand. Like is it a budget thing? Do you not want to Well, I think if they're gonna start with a new character, a new actor to play Superman, they kind of have to have a baseline of sorts. I like that they're not going back to Krypton. Now that would have really been tough. Right. If they went all the way back to Krypton, and I think maybe that's why James is doing it this way. You got to start somewhere and create a foundation. And if the foundation is the daily planet, that's fair because when we watch, even though we did get backstory in the original Superman 1978 version, um, we really get an introduction to him in the daily planet, you know, as Clark Kent, the goofy character and that's where i think we sort of fall in love with him that's where we first see um the main character who plays superman christopher reeves that's when we first see his character at the daily planet and so i think you know if you go back to like the dean kane superman it was at the daily planet with the the you know the lois and clark thing so i think this is a good place to start and then you can expand into it now he did say they're going to be doing this they're planning out for 10 years so it would it wouldn't surprise me if as we go through this decade that we didn't eventually get into the brainiac stuff and, and, and move forward into that area. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I can see. <clears throat> like that's like, like I said, I'm I'm hoping that this is a a a stepping stone to the good stuff. Because as a lifelong Superman fan, you know, I just feel like I've been blue balled for forty years. And we we were getting so close with Cavill Superman, like we were getting, we were so close, we were so <laughs> close to seeing him. Uh, we we got to see him fight in the Justice League. That was great. We were like we're this close, and then mm, pulled that plug right out from underneath us. So, um, that sucks. Well, is, it fair, is it fair to say that James Gunn is approaching this from? I mean, you got to look at the work he's done. So go back to Guardians of the Galaxy. Take a look at. Suicide Squad, and take a look at Peacemaker. What do we know about James Gunn's personality in in these projects? They're very zany. They're very funny. They're very alive, awake, present, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So you can almost picture some, he's writing this Superman himself. He's doing this project. So I'm almost certain that that's that's his signature, Right. So that's going to be applied to this. So now let's think about what do you think of a Superman applied with the Peacemaker, Guardians of the Galaxy type of style? I mean, it can work. I just, it can work. I just got to get past this part. I just got to get past the, the stuff I, 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 the stuff I already it's know. The grief. It's the grief for, for losing Cavill, I think, still, right? I mean, I mean, sure, Cavill was a perfect Superman, like hands down. But I can deal with that if I felt like they were going to continue his story. I just don't want to go back to the first day at Daily Planet. I don't want to go back to well, where him. would be a appropriate place to start him, though. I mean, if you got a new Superman, where are you going to start him? You got to give him something that people are familiar with. You can't just start him, you know, in the future. Yeah, that's what I guess that's what Let's sucks. Create a new Lois. You have to start him somewhere, but yeah, yeah, you have to make a new Lois. There's got to be that awkward moment where he's like, "Oh, right. oh, look at oh, I'm Clark Kent with glasses. So I gotta go see, you know, I uh, got you gotta, gotta have him. Yeah, you gotta gotta, gotta go back to that again. I, you know, we've always we've seen it 15 times, but I guess we'll see it again, and hopefully this time it takes. <laughs> right, because hopefully right? this is the last reboot for a while. Like hopefully this time <laughs> right. it takes. And we don't got to continually see that awkward moment where he's trying to pretend he's not Superman because he put glasses on. One more time. One more time, James. Come on, baby. Let's bring it home this time. <laughs> 18th time's the charm, my friend. 18th time's the charm. All right. Moving on from Superman. Next up is Supergirl Wonder Woman of Tomorrow. Now, this can actually be potentially pretty great. I actually, the, the way he described it where she's, you know, grows up on a piece of Krypton. Right. And like basically all these bad things happen to her. I'm like, oh, that's already intriguing. Right. Yeah. This is the way Supergirl should be done. It's it's never been done this way. But so super so I said this on the other stream. Supergirl is always pushed through this mold of like a female version of Superman. Mm. But that's not what the character is. Now, is it a female Kryptonian? Yes, but they have completely different um uh, they were raised completely different, completely different people. He was nurtured. She wasn't. Yeah. Even the Supergirl show had her like crash land and like be raised by Dean Kane or whatever. <laughs> um, the way it should be is she was already grown. 
she is like let's say late teens, early twenties. She was sent forward, or she was sent with Clark to look after Clark, who was a baby. She watched her planet explode, and because of wormhole time shenanigans, Clark got to Earth way before she did. So when she finally showed up, he was already grown up, and he didn't need her. So now she is this heartbroken person who her planet was was destroyed to, from her perspective five minutes ago. All right, she watched she watched everyone she loved die. She was not a nurtured individual. She doesn't love humans the way Clark does. So even if she's a good person at heart, there's a lot of Zod in this character. Right. And it's different. It's just so much different than Super Superman. It's not that she's weaker or stronger or anything like that. It's a different person, just like you and I are different people. And they, they've never done that correct. The TV show didn't do it right. Not They never did it right. Even the cartoons barely did it right. Barely. Because mm. even then they had like, she showed up, she was in Daisy Dukes, she got put on the farm with Martha Kent. You know, I'm not complaining about the Daisy Dukes, folks. I'm just saying that, like, you know, she's supposed to be a little bit of a, she's a broken person with superpowers. Remember that. Yeah. Good point. It seems like James is focused on that, and that's that's good. That's a good sign. Yeah. I, yeah, I hope, I hope it is. This All one right. bugs me. Yeah, this one is so stupid to me, dude. <laughs> I I don't. I, I, I don't see, an, I, I'm not a huge comic guy, so this could be something I don't understand. Like, I know Batman and Robin, but I don't know Batman and Son looking like Robin. Explain it to me. Yeah. So, um, Damian Wayne was the latest Robin. Originally, Robin was not related to Bruce Wayne. Right. Um after after he burns through a couple robins they all die by the way bruce after the first robin dies don't give it another go with another 15 year old kid wait but, and even even worse don't make your son the last robin you've already lost two right well so damian wayne was actually like raised at, in um by raja ghoul mm, so he nice. wasn't raised by bruce wayne he was raised uh with the guild of assassins or whatever and the kid has like major problems. He is a psychopath. He is mentally unfit to be a part of society, much less being in a costume, crime fighting with weapons. This kid is the definition of what would happen if emo, you know, emo, uh, uh, unstable uh teenagers were given uh superpowers <laughs> okay the, the guy the guy the guy is not I, I, people love this character i hate him i hate I, him. I love the way gun describes him though as much as it seems dumb i will say i love this because he calls him a little son of a bitch <laughs> an assassin and a murderer uh and a little bat brat crown prince of crime fight I kind of like all that. So it's got, it's intrigued. I, the whole premise is dumb to me, but him describing him that, and that's the thing I like about gun is that he can do things with characters that other people can't do. His characters are so well-developed. So perhaps he can turn this from looking dumb into something that feels better. Can I tell you what I'm concerned about? I'm concerned about sure. this movie being about Robin 
and Batman is a uh, is is just part of the story. And that could happen because you do have the Batman, which he did say will continue as an outside and DC Elseworlds thing. So you know that may be the the Batman that that gets the the singular focus, and then you end up with a side story of Batman. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, next up is Paradise Lost. Now this is very interesting. Um, he described it as a uh, Game of Thrones meets Themyscira. Okay, that's cool. It would be a prequel. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman would not be a part of it. It it would be an HBO Max series. That means that the Wonder Woman uh, movies can continue completely untouched by this. And I think it might be interesting seeing a bunch of like super buff, uh, sexy uh, chicks fight over the throne of Themyscira. I'll take it. Why not? Wasn't there another character that he mentioned um, that was that would that was here that was connected somehow? I could have swore I and and I missed it because I didn't get, I couldn't hear it again. But somebody else was going to be associated with this, and it happens to be the same place where the Wonder Woman Amazon Amazons were. Hmm. Need to go back and look at that. I believe there's another character that's going to be a part of this from the comic books. No, I, I, from what I heard in that, what he said was. Paradise Lost is basically it's about the same island that Wonder Woman's from, yeah. Themyscira, but it's about but it, it takes place way before when when they were fighting over the mm-hmm. island. So yeah. I feel like there's some other. He mentioned maybe something else. We'll have to look back at that and see. I think he mentioned Westeros, but that, that was a that's Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. That's thing. Game of Thrones. So yeah, this is exact quote was how did it come about? What's the origin of the island of all women? What are the beautiful truths and ugly truths behind all of it? Yeah. Might be cool. This I am, I am looking forward to this. A Booster Gold HBO Max series. Like if you if you asked me what would be on my bucket list of things to see, it would be an HBO Max series rated MA with Booster Gold. Hundred percent. Did you see Joseph Malazzi tweeted out? I want on this. Yeah. Oh, Joseph Malazzi would be so good at this. Yeah, that he was like he he sent to James Gunn that he wanted to be on this project. I I really hope James considers him because he he would be great. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Malazi would would be perfect for this. Mm-hmm. Basically, this is about a time traveling uh, hero. In quotes, he's uh, basically this like he's a football player, a failed football player who uses time travel and futuristic technology to come back in time and basically play superhero. Right. Um, my fan casting for this guy before he got too old would have been like Nathan Fillion, like perfect character. So think about <laughs> well, like a dead yeah, too old. Yeah. Too old now, but like, this is like, this is like their version of Deadpool sort of, you know? Okay. Well, sort of, sort of snarky fails a little bit, you know, um, a little selfish, but heart of gold kind of guy. Hmm. Kind of like, uh, the guy from, um, uh, the Amazon show, the boys. The bad yeah. guy. Yeah. Sort of like that. I can see that. More like um well, less less homelander and more like Oh. Yeah, I guess no, I wouldn't call him Homelander. He's he because he's a, he's an anti hero. He's not a bad guy. That's true. Yeah. He's a selfish good guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to explain. And I you know, I, I think his his it, in the comic books, his character, his demeanor was very deadpool like. If I can mm, try okay. something up. Uh, and then, of course, this is right up James Gunn's alley. Creature Commandos. 
I'm just I don't know anything about this one. Yeah, go look it up. It's, it's like, imagine if all of the monsters and Frankensteins and mummies and all that became superheroes. It's really weird. And that's going to be animated, right? Yes, thank God. Okay, yeah. I'm like, uh, that needs to be animated. So yes. I probably won't. Now this right here, uh, someone said earlier, this is uh, this is how he keeps his wife employed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, keeping his wife employed with the Waller series, HBO Max, and uh, this is like this is going to be Waller with a, with Viola Davis. It's probably going to take you know have the same peacemaker. It's probably Peacemaker too, right? That's what I'm thinking. That's how they're going to keep Peacemaker going, right? That that's that's and, and the great thing about Waller is you can introduce and weave in and out a bunch of characters well we just saw her in the uh black adam movie right so you know she can be she can be the the central hub to a bunch of characters coming in and out that would lead us to new series so i think this is actually a key uh series that we're gonna we're gonna need to see on hbo for dc yeah and how about this and i this is how you know without a shadow of a doubt this is not a reboot Things are being changed, probably via the Flash movie, I'm assuming. But, like, the Peacemaker crew is still part of this universe. Waller, played by the same character, is still part of this universe. We know Aquaman, played by Jason Momoa, is still part of the universe. From what we know, a healthy portion of the of the Snyderverse, if you want to call it that, is still part of the universe going forward. At least the actors who play the characters, yes. Right. Right. Which is like, is the, the tone same? may change though. The tone may change, but like from a normie perspective, this is the same characters. Yeah, don't right. be surprised if these characters suddenly become a little more funny. I don't know about, but I don't think I don't think Waller ever will be funny. But yeah, well, no, she's the straight person. But I'm saying like, don't don't be surprised if Aquaman becomes a little more. There's a little more humor involved in these. Right, things. that's yeah. a James Gunn thing for sure. Absolutely. And then uh, we got lanterns. Finally, the Green Lanterns are coming to the big screen. This has me excited. Yep, it's an HBO Max series, but it's awesome. It's like, you know what? Uh, I, I could. It's like lethal weapon with power rings. Love it. Are you kidding me? Sign me I up, am. dude. Right. I'm just like, I'm. This is something I want to see. Listen, we we we've needed a good Green Lantern thing for a long time. Right. I really hope this is good. Um, and this is weird. They're going to do Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing's cool. It's different, man. Um, it's weird, bro. It is weird, but it's it's like so on the outlier of comic stuff. But um, but I it's love, actually going to be a really compelling story, I think. I love what this, what's written here. The dark and dank Swamp Thing will delve into the terror-filled ter- tale of the infamous muck dweller mar- <laughs> marking the finale of DCU's Chapter 1. Um, oh, look, they're not doing phases. It's chapters. Yeah, they're doing chapters. Also, uh, remember, Snyder Cut doing mm-hmm. chapters. Oh, well, I didn't. I guess I wasn't paying attention to that one. <laughs> um, all right. So, you know, uh, it's Swamp Thing. If, if you don't know who it is, go look it up. This character is weird. You know, you don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy most of the time. He's just sort of a weird character. I don't believe the character can stand on its own. I believe it needs to be with other characters. It reminds me of like a, a more intelligent version of Groot. So mm. like in the, in the comic books, a lot of the times you have them like 
teamed up with like Constantine, which we know that's happening with Keanu Reeves. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it, but Swamp Thing is a weird character. It's a weird character, very horror based. And I just don't know if they can do this by himself. Um, well, he, he hinted at bringing at reuniting them with other heroes. Yeah. So it's sort of like the uh, Hulk, know, bro. Like you literally have to. It's a, it, 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 he was great, yeah. but he's not great on his own. I don't think. Well, he is when you watch the original Hulk TV show. It is fantastic. Okay. You know they, they're able to do that dichotomy of the you know Bruce Banner versus the Hulk. I mean, it works. It fits. But uh, the the movies did a terrible job of yeah. doing those two things. Really did. Like talk yeah. about MCU failure there. Je- Norton is, is like so angry about that. At every word, every time he has a chance to say anything about it, he complains. Edward Norton. Um, yeah. and uh, the Authority, and this is another very up, uh, very up James Gunn alley. It's very odd. The Authority, and this is what's the weirdest thing about this. Do we know which ones are animated and which ones are live action? Um, so far, well, the Authority is live action for sure. Okay. Um. Yeah, authority is live action. So here's the thing about the authority. The authority, it mm. wasn't even DC. It was a part of another comic book, uh, another comic book. And it was brought into the DC universe because it was part of that in, in a weird way. But basically, these are knockoffs of Batman and Superman and other characters. Right. This is, this is literally like the knockoff version of it's the DC. boys. Yeah, this is the boys. Yeah, this is the boy. In fact, I'm pretty sure the writer of this ha- also wrote the boys. <laughs> right, which is perfect because what does it say here? Uh, Saffron compares the authority to Jack Nicholson and a few good men, saying there are the superheroes the world needs, whether they like it or not. So it's the authoritarian superhero show. Yeah, but isn't it weird though to have like your not your knockoffs in the same universe as your main characters? I mean, are, I guess if they're if they're exactly the same, it'll be weird. It's very similar, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, the boys was kind of funny. They had an Aquaman, you know. They had a Flash. Yeah, you know, yeah. they had a they Superman. Had Superman, right? They they had all the characters, bro. They but if you them. continue to watch it, they do become their own characters to you. Like, I don't look at him now and go, sure. oh, that's Aquaman. You know, I look at, oh, that's that disgusting water superhero. You know, so maybe they'll do the same thing with these characters. What I love is he says that um, they will stop at nothing to safeguard the planet. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know that that has trouble written all over it, right. and which might be fun. Right. And then last, and in my opinion, certainly least... Batman, the Batman part two, which is an Elseworlds story, which means this is what Elseworlds means, right? Not part of anything. And I couldn't get rid of this because he was already contract- contractually obligated to do this movie. There, Yeah, there's only one way I like what's coming with Batman part two. And if that is somehow they f- manage a way to merge the Joker and this version of Batman. That would be good. If, if, if there was... So I hate the fact that there's a Joker Elseworlds and a Batman Elseworlds and they're not right. with each other. And yeah. they have the same tone. Like, you know what? Just yeah. merge these two. Make a whole Elseworlds World's like, like timeline or whatever. Right. Yeah, that would be great. Put Joaquin Phoenix with this, with this guy and let's see what happens. Joaquin Phoenix is going to destroy him. And I'd love to see that. 
Well, let's see, see one where the Joker wins. The, the Batman's gonna walk up to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and be like, "I'm bringing you in," and Joaquin's like, "Ah!" Just shoots him in the face. <laughs> right, right, right. I'd be okay with that. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't care about the Batman Part Two. I didn't really enjoy the Batman Part One. It was super dark. It was really hard. It was literally like literally not like dark like in tone. It was literally too dark. Couldn't see half of what was going on. I don't know why they thought it was a good idea to put Colin Farrell in a fat suit. Like that just hire... didn't bother me. I know, but but why don't you just hire a fat actor that's good? I, I know we keep going back to that, but in the end, it bothers me so much. He was the fine. Other guy would have been a better better choice. You know it, and I know it. I don't know it. I don't know how, how good his acting would have been. See, he's he's he's, he's a, a funny guy. He's an award winning actor. He's an award. He's won more awards than Colin Farrell. Look, I'll show you. Josh Gad has Josh, won more Josh awards Gad, than Colin man. Farrell. I mean, you can't. His animation work doesn't count. Sorry, Colin Farrell's a much better actor than Josh Gad. Um, okay, sure. He's he's won a Grammy. <laughs> yeah, probably for singing that stupid so snowman. Yeah, I think song. I think it was a theater thing. Look, all I know is he's a good actor. He looks more like that, but the problem was he—he he may not look like a gangster, which is what that character was. I don't know. Colin Farrell so, didn't do it for me. I don't know. So it was too dark. I didn't like Colin Farrell. I didn't really like. I didn't like Pattinson either. I don't. He's not a very good Bruce Wayne. I didn't like any of them. It was like, like it was, there was nothing great about it. I'm gonna be honest. Like nothing of that movie into me was interesting. Most of it was just like just meh. I also didn't understand the whole flooding thing. Like things didn't didn't add up. The movie is not a good movie. It made a billion dollars. I'm telling you why it made a billion dollars. Ready? Or $800 million, whatever. Because it's a Batman movie. Yeah, they all make good movies. Yes. Good, good movie, yeah. Batman is always going to make that money. Superman movies are always going to make that money. They're going to make that money. Um, That doesn't mean they're good. And it got a part two, frankly speaking, because all the studio sees is dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yep, yep. And this this world sucks. And I know, I know Robert Pattinson is capable of more because um, other movies he's been in was, he was actually very good. But he did not bring the heat, this movie. It, it really, he really felt sort of dull and just not interested in this job. He's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. I gotta be honest with you, man. This guy was not very good at being, a, at detecting things. At least this mm. guy, I know people go, oh, because he's young, he's just starting out. I don't know. Why do we always got to just be starting out? Like, like <laughs> well, you're not happy with young Batman. You're not happy with old Batman. What do we do? What do we do? I like old Batman. We talking well, about now we do in the beginning. We didn't like old Batman. Which old Batman in the beginning, in the beginning, the bat fleck in the beginning, there was lots of complaints. About I never complained about it personally, but okay. Oh, All I'm saying is I'm so tired of watching these characters just start out. And that being the excuse as to why they're so bad at their jobs. Mm-hmm. Like, Stop well, doing yeah. that. Stop. Stop doing that. I don't. Oh, he's, oh, he's just starting out. He doesn't know how to be a detective yet. Well, then don't call him. On the... All right. All right. <laughs> that was the detective Batman. Literally, the way that it was written was supposed to be like a detective. Yes, he was a detective. That was the point. He was trying to hunt down a serial killer. Sorry, I wish I can show this to you. On, on my wall here is a giant poster of the very first Batman cover, Detective Comics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways. Um. That's it. Uh, the majority of this slate seems very fun. In the words of Pete Saffron, 
2025 is going to be a very big year for DC, and I hope that's the case. I do hope that the studio does not uh, get wet feet the second one of these properties underperforms. Yeah. That is the key right there. Studio needs to stay out of the business. Get out of the way. Let them, let these guys do it and give them some time to make some mistakes. It's all going to depend on the stories. If the right. stories are good, it'll be good. That's it. Here's the deal. It is There is going to be, is it's bound to be an underperformer in this group. 100%. There's going to oh, be at, at least a couple of these movies or TV shows are going to be quote unquote underperformers. Remember, the first one can't be. That's the problem. The first, the first one's, one, yeah, the first one's got to be a banger. It's got to be good. But you're allowed to have an Iron Man, t- as, as far as I'm concerned, you're allowed to have an Iron Man 2, yeah. uh, Thor 1, and you're allowed to have, um, um, you're, you're allowed to have a couple movies that aren't great in a Thor 2, I guess. Actually, yeah, Iron Man 2. <laughs> all the Thors, all except the for Thor movies, the la- except, last one. except for the yeah. last couple. Yeah. Um, you're allowed to have stinkers, though. What made what what helped the MCU is that even though they had movies that lost money, they continued with those characters and those actors in that universe, knowing that the ultimately it was going to be a massive net right. positive for them. Well, and, and those characters that did poor in their movies did good in the Avengers movies, right? So it's like yeah, there's redemption there, so. right? And then now and now, like dude, Chris Hemsworth is Thor. It's perfect. Well, those first couple <laughs> movies were pretty bad. Well, the Dark World was bad. Dark World was one of like that might have been, that might be the worst Marvel movie. Yeah, the first one wasn't horrible. I don't think it wasn't horrible. It wasn't good either. It was just sort of I like think what happens uh, Dark World just kind of drug it down. Dark World really did. It was such a bad movie. All right, guys. Uh that's it for this. We're gonna move it on. Hit that subscribe button on the way to the comment section. Let us know what you guys think about this slate. What are you excited about? What are you not excited about? What do you think? could be different let us know in the comment section below that said we are going to be moving on to the member section shane unfortunately oh all right that was fast was it though no three hours three three hours and 15 minutes of live so listen hopefully you guys had a great time with us today we talked about all kinds of great stuff hopefully you'll continue on with us over to the member section where we're going to be talking about some cool stuff. We're going to be talking about Strange New Worlds, New Faces. That's right. We've got some more information about Strange New Worlds for Star Trek. Uh, we're A little bit more DC stuff. Uh, James Gunn supports Ezra Miller? Question mark. We need to figure out what that's all about. And, of course, we're going to be breaking down Quantum Leap, Episode 11, the most recent one. The best episode of Quantum Leap so far this year. So you won't want to miss that review breakdown in the member section. It costs less than half of a Starbucks coffee a month. So come join us. Uh, actually, it costs about a third of the Starbucks coffees that my wife wants every single time. <laughs> I, I don't know how you can buy a drink that costs $11. I, I, I don't understand that. Nothing that you, you just drink. Adding ever, yeah, but nothing you drink should ever cost outside of liquor. It should be $11. Yeah, okay. fair enough. Good point. All right, guys, uh, come on over. Uh, how do you get there? Shane, how do they get there? Well, you can just stay right here because if you stay here, it'll automatically bring you right over to the member section. Or you can click on the link that Brian's about to put up for you. Yeah. Uh, which you didn't right. see that coming. And uh, that'll allow you to join as a member and uh, check out what's going on over there. We have lots of interesting things coming up. Uh, our Galaxy Quest, if you didn't get a chance to see our Galaxy Quest documentary, it's currently sitting in the member section. 
uh, and probably be re-released to the public in the future. But right now you can see that there and we've got other great content um, we'll be bringing out to you there as well. Yeah, the Galaxy Quest thing. Uh, someone asked, what happened to the Galaxy Quest video? I didn't get to watch it. It's in the member section. It's going to be oh, there and for, also, it's gonna be there yeah, for a while. Ahead. We are planning on updating that, actually. But before we do, we're going to let it hang out in the member section for a while. And we do talk to uh, everybody a lot more directly. If you're a member, we we try to have a little more personalized chats over on that side. So if you want to talk to us and, and, you, and you don't super chat, then that's a good place to actually uh, talk to us more one-on-one. Okay. That's it. We're going over to the members section where the water is warm and the Mai Tais are 